and we are alive welcome back to the vigorous q a not much to news to report so let's just get into the questions we have a ton of them over on the patreon page and youtube memberships page let's see first one from ken hudziak asks legendary steve my wife has been on Zempic for about a year and a half she's seen great results getting to her goal weight and i want to ask you as you were the first person Let's see, I heard talk about GLP-1 receptor agonists. My question is that she's been at her goal weight for a while. What's the best method to have her come completely off it? And her recommendations really appreciate it. Uh, thanks again. Lots of questions for three whole messages here on StreamYard. Okay, so basically he wants to know how he can get his wife off that they're ozempic because uh, the withdrawal symptoms and the restoration of weight are substantial. So the first thing you'll notice is that when you um, get off the Ozempic, whether you're male or female, is that uh, you get ravenously hungry. So even though Ozempic has about a one week, two week uh, active life, basically, that you notice the effects of the medication, it might be best just to slowly taper that off. Now, I'm not entirely sure what dose his wife is using. So if his wife is using the full uh, dose of 20 milligrams, right, you slowly need to face that back off because usually Ozempic goes from five milligrams, or was it uh, one milligram, two milligram, and then up until five or 10 milligrams even. So whatever dose you are now, follow the same steps backwards over the next six weeks or so, maybe even two months, taper it down slowly so you can slowly get used to this increase in appetite and adjust your diet accordingly because it does have a little bit of effect on your metabolic rate. And if you're not doing that carefully, um, then you're just going to get fat. So um, some weight gain is to be expected because again, you're going to be more hungry and it does have a little bit of effect on your metabolism because I mean, glucagon like peptide one receptor agonist does do alter the metabolism slightly. So uh, if you have a lower baseline metabolism now by being on this GLP one receptor agonist for an entire year, then um, the calories need to be sustained or you need to increase your baseline caloric expenditure and caloric rate overall by adding in something like a fat burner or making sure that your thyroid function is optimal, looking into growth hormones. So basically you're switching from one drug to the next. Uh, but the most important thing is that whatever she's eating right now, she sticks to the diet completely because otherwise she's just going to get more fat because she's eating more food. So phase it off slowly, monitor her diet carefully. That goes for all the guys out there that use the Ozempic or Terzepidide or Lyraglutide or whatever else. Take it out slowly. And then over time, um, hopefully you can restore yourself back to baseline, have a little bit more energy, of course, because you know your, your uh, food intake can go slightly higher because now your appetite is increased. Um, but if you do it too fast, yeah, you're just going to get fat. So please be careful because rebounds and the, you know, the recovery of uh, body weight that people had before trying these uh, GLP-1 receptor agonists, that's one of the biggest uh, downfalls of these medications. So you're lean and uh, easy to control your appetite while using them. Basically, they create a little bit of dependency, right? It's a little bit of a trick here with these, these companies. Ellie Lilly is going to produce another compound. Let me see if I can find that in my... Um, in my bookmarks, they're going to combine, uh, make a combination medication of uh, GLP-1, GAP, and glucagon. Let's see if I can find that article, though. No, I don't have it here. Maybe my other bookmarks? No. Hmm. I thought I had it here somewhere. Right, let, me, let me figure it out, and then 
see if we can find it somewhere. But that is that medication is currently undergoing clinical trials and should hit the market probably next year. And then, you know, beyond terzepidide, you have a new medication which acts at three receptor pathways for fat loss. And I think that's going to be the next best thing. So Ozempic, bye-bye, terzepidide, bye-bye, lyroglutide, bye-bye. And uh, the next thing in line is this new medication from Ellie Lilly that is soon to be released. All right. Next question from John Prather asks, assuming you're comfortable discussing it, has your wife been on any kind of fertility protocol of her own? Just curious. Uh, no, that's not required. So basically we went to check her fertility about a year ago and recently when I felt I was uh, ready to start conceiving or start uh, saw that my fertility parameters were slowly coming up. So she did uh, the, the usual STD test, right? HPV and uh, another STD, I believe, just to make sure that that's not present because that can cause complications later on if you are pregnant. Um, she had an ultrasound on her uterus and her ovaries and you know the tubes and everything in between just to see if everything is uh, you know structured and functioning normally, right? So there's no uh, polycystic ovarian disease or other kinds of issues within her ovaries or uterus. So she's all clear there. Uh, of course, she's 40 years old. I'm going to be 40 in, oh man, only two months in a week. <sighs> uh, but so far, so good. So her, um, right, her contest prep uh, uh, phase of life has ended, what, five years ago. So she hasn't done anything crazy since then. And uh, her luteinizing hormone, follicle stimulating hormone, estradiol levels, estrone, estradiol, or estrone and estriol levels, right? All of that is just completely normal. She's in a very good state of health. We didn't uh, remove some of her eggs to get the, got those tested yet because when, uh, we want to conceive naturally. And if that doesn't happen over the next three months, uh, either through you know my semen not being sufficient or her eggs not being sufficient or there's something going on wrong with the uh, nestling process, like the, uh, the implantation of the fertilized eggs into the, the womb, um, if there's anything going wrong there, then we can always extract some of her eggs, uh, take some of my semen, run that through various um, testing parameters at a fertility clinic, and then see what's going wrong, and then make the appropriate adjustments. But she's had uh, normal ovulation and normal periods for the last, well, we've been together now for almost 10 years. So, you know, besides maybe a missed period here and there during contest prep, at least the last five years, she's always been, you know, on point and, and, and normal with her period. So I'm not too worried about that. But again, if um, anything goes wrong, then I'll document that here and, of course, uh, share it with you guys. And I'll let you guys know what uh, the appropriate adjustments are going to be, um, you know, under the guidance of fertility experts. Because I'm no fertility expert, although I'm getting quite close with all the research that I've been doing. Octavian asks, what does more damage to the brain, NPP or Trinase? Um, I think both are neurotoxic, but the level of neurotoxicity, I don't think has been directly compared. I could be mistaken here, but I mean, I, I've, I've read studies where Nandrolone uh, was, uh, you know, uh, neurotoxic, even though it does, um, you know, aromatize to a certain extent. And uh, a trimbalone acetate, of course, doesn't aromatize. Um, so you would assume that that's more neurotoxic. The reason why testosterone is the least neurotoxic of all the steroids is because it aromatizes into estradiol. I mean, steroids are excitotoxic, so they um, cause some uh, toxicity through that pathway. But because testosterone aromatizes into estradiol within the brain, it's less neurotoxic compared to the other steroids. And nandrolone, um, of course, contributing a little bit to this conversion into estradiol. And the nandrolone itself can actually convert into estradiol, albeit at a much lower rate. It mostly acts as a catalyst. Um, so in that sense, testosterone, still neurotoxic, but the least out of all of them. And estradiol, in this sense, 
is neuroprotective. Now, these have all been studied separately, but not against each other, and also not in combination with compounds which are known to be aromatized inhibitors. So if you add uh, testosterone with primobol, masterone, boldenone, uh, dihydroboldenone, and maybe some of the other uh, provarin, some of the other DHTs, there's no clinical study on that. So we don't know how much of an effect these DHT derivatives have on a neurotoxicity from the testosterone or other aromatizing compounds. So when you are dealing with polypharmacy, like we are, and you're combining multitude of different compounds, you can't just go with one um, scientific paper giving you one outcome based on one compound specifically alone, excluding all of the other variables that we uh, put into the picture as uh, bodybuilders. So I would say that uh, all steroids are neuro neurotoxic, especially in combination. Uh, aromatized inhibitors have been shown to be slightly neurotoxic, again, preventing the conversion of testosterone into estradiol. But you can also look at it this way, um, MDMA, neurotoxic, uh, alcohol, neurotoxic, you know, most of the recreational drugs potentiate some negative effects, but, you know, usually you're not taking these in excessive, excessive amounts anymore because you're on TRT or on cycle and you know better, right? So you're excluding all of those bad traits already and maybe the exposure that you have to testosterone, nandrolone, trimbolone cycles, um, the neurotoxicity that you potentiate might be less than the neurotoxicity you get uh, in general population, drinking, smoking, taking NDMA, etc. Smoking is highly uh, oxidative. It's a lot of oxidative stress that you can potentiate. So you have to be really careful what you do with your body. So if you're worried about neurotoxicity, um, well, you might as well throw in the towel because everything is toxic to your brain. I mean, it's one of the most important organs that we have. And it seems that the more research that you do, the more besides, you know, some bioidentical hormones like melatonin and glutathione and some of the other antioxidants, those might be neuro and, and other organ protective. But most of the vices, neurotoxic. Um, so that means you're going to have a very, very boring life just to prevent a slight amounts of neurotoxicity. All right, let's keep going. Ahmed asks, um, what is the impact of exogenous testosterone and DHT derivatives on the serotonin and GABA in the brain? Um, I'm not entirely sure. I remember researching this a while ago, but I have to do a refresher. So I did a, um, a video about oxidative stress in the brain regarding the use of steroids, but I didn't really necessarily look into the neurotransmitter pathways. So, of course, you know, we know that uh, boldenone has some sort of effect on GABA and nandrolone has some effect on uh, glutamate receptors. And uh, trimbolone has some effect on serotonin, but I, I probably have to do a deep dive at one point, albeit that I do know that most people would just kind of glance over that uh, video. So I haven't really uh, put that high in my priority to-do list. So yeah, uh, I would have to do a refresher. So for now, I'm going to say uh, they do have an effect, but to which extent and which detail, um, yeah, I'd need to do a refresher. Ahmed asks, uh, what... What may be the explanation that when I use trimbolone, either enantate or acetate, I don't get any emotional issues, but once I go over 100 milligrams nandrolone phenylpropionate or DECA, I get mentally unstable. So again, nandrolone has some effects on the neurotransmitters which might make you depressed. A lot of people see that more with DECA over uh, NPP. But again, you know, it could still make you... Um, oh, let me see. Get some water. Dry mouth. It could make you uh, just feel a little bit off. So if you notice that effect, in in many cases, I mean, you can take an SSRI, of course, but 
if this you know particular drug potentiates these effects, just leave it alone. I mean, there's so many other drugs you can choose from. So in my case, you know, trimbalone makes me way too aggressive and way too uh, up and down emotionally. So I just stopped taking it. You know, it's that simple. With NPP or DECA, I don't get this effect. I feel perfectly fine. Nothing happens to my mental state. I get a little bit of joint lubrication because I keep the dose between 50 milligrams to 100 milligrams per week. But as soon as I throw in 100 milligrams of trim per week, the anger resurfaces. So whatever your brain state tells you uh, on these particular performance enhancing drugs, steroids, um, you know, if you get an adverse effect, just don't take them, right? Nobody's forcing you to take them. And there's a whole selection of other alternatives that you can choose from. And in the end, they all kind of do the same thing. You know, some of them, you're, you're, some of them have their unique characteristics. And, you know, if you're thinking about 100 milligrams MPP or DECA per week, you know, you could take a little bit of growth hormone and let your estradiol levels come a little bit higher. Uh, Premobolin has some joint uh, protective benefits uh, regarding collagen synthesis. So you can always find another way. And, you know, otherwise there's always Anivar that's kind of the goat for collagen synthesis and can give you some joint protection and lubrication as well. So, um, yeah, that's what I would say. If you're mentally unstable from an Androlone, just don't take it. <clears throat> and guys, if you really want me to dive into, <coughs> if you guys really want me to dive into the neurotransmitter size of steroids, I probably have to do a deep dive from all of them separately. That's going to take some time, right? How nandrolone affects the brain, how trembolone affects the brain, how testosterone affects the brain. There's a lot of scientific evidence that I need to review. Um, so that would take some time. But if you would like to see it, let me know down below. And if you see enough comments um, asking for that kind of information, then I'll put it higher on my priority list. And, uh, you know, go through the other videos that I have a little bit at the top, right? We still have to do that uh, entrepreneur nootropics deep dive after we're done with the um, uh, endurance performance enhancing jerk section, right? There's so many videos that I still have to do that I'll take a, a ton of time to prepare for and then to record and to edit. So please be patient. Octavian, my coach, uh, oh, my girlfriend is uh, jealous on the coach. She said Saturday nights should spend with her, not to the coach. Should I break up with her? Uh, well, I mean, you can always come back here and then just uh, go through the timestamps and at least get your nookie in, dude. I mean, you got to prioritize, right? I mean, um, yeah, would I spend this time rather with my wife? Of course. All right, but I got responsibilities to the audience. You guys paid for this membership. So here I am making sure that uh, you guys get exactly what you paid for. But you're here paying um just like you pay for netflix or hulu or uh, apple tv and sometimes you don't feel like watching so if the girlfriend is jealous um i don't know just make her a little bit more angry then have makeup sex after we're done and if you can't get that done then uh, uh, uh get the deed done just yeah well you see that i'm sweating so and my wife's already in bed now i'm happily <laughs> smiling so yeah, uh, you know, do what you want, do what you must, I would say, but don't break up for the sake of watching the vigorous Q&A, right? It's not that important. All right, let's see. Did I go through all the questions already? There were a couple more posted on Patreon, but Patreon is giving me a headache right now. And there were a couple questions that were like over 400, you know, characters long, like laundry, a laundry list of uh, cues. Uh, Patreon is giving me a headache. Yeah, what's going on with this damn application? Hmm. 
One sec. All right, let's uh, let's just get into the next question. Dolmatov, what's up, buddy? Hello, Steve. Right now, I'm seven weeks on testosterone anthate, 400 milligrams per week, and anadrol, 50 milligrams every day. The last four weeks, don't notice any problems with appetite. From your experience, how often you see this uh, side effect? Wondering if it's fake. Um, well, after four weeks on 50 milligrams of anadrol, you probably look like this. So if you don't look like this yet, and you don't have any appetite. Uh, it changes or, or blood pressure changes or water retention changes and, uh, and uh, you know, acute insane strength changes, then I would say that your uh, Anavar or Anadrol is, uh, yeah, pretty bunk. You know, if you're not sure, just send it to me and I'll test it for you as soon as we can go back on cycle. Just send me your entire lot. Right? If it's real, I'll keep using it. I won't send it back. And if it's fake, I'll know after two administrations and I'll... Uh, flush it down the toilet for you i'll dispose of it for you uh yeah you should notice any difference man don't go by side effects go by effects what are good effects of anadrol increased strength increased um, pumps right increased fullness even when you're dieting increased vascularity and then on the other side the side effects is the increased uh, blood pressure the increased water retention the reduction of appetite and uh, the liver stress, obviously. So you're like kind of like four and four. If you can do more research, of course you can find 10 on 10, right? 10 side effects versus 10 positive effects. But we go by the positive effects, right? If trend doesn't make you angry, but you're nasty, freaky, uh, dense and hard, then keep using it. <laughs> I'm jealous, but you have to go by the effects. So uh, Dolmatov, let us know. Uh, did you gain a fuckload of weight and a fuckload of strength over the last four weeks? Or are you kind of the same, um, you know, effects you would expect from 400 milligrams of testosterone anthate per week. So, yeah, but some people just don't get a loss of appetite, you know, because they take care of their liver health. They're on top of their Tutka, they're on top of their NAC, they're on top of their, you know, injectable glutathione, or they take uh, glycine with their NAC, which is now all the, ra uh, you know, the hype, or they take taurine uh, re religiously, right, because it's supposedly anti-aging and extends life and all the good stuff, even though I've been talking about it for the last five years, uh, ever since I was on YouTube, that everybody should be on taurine. So maybe they're just doing the same thing, uh, and, and that's why you don't have a reduction in appetite. All right, Octavian says, no, she's a sweetheart, never said anything bad about the coach. Okay, then you, then you can both watch the show, dude. I mean, should I show a little bit? No, let's, let's not show any skin. It's all hairy and shit. Ugh. Too busy to shave, dude. Yeah, I trimmed the hair, but chest hair, I don't know. I'll just wait with that until the wife starts complaining. All right, let me see. Yeah, I'll just have to go into my notifications. Let me get some more questions from Patreon. I know there were a few more, but Patreon seems to be acting like a bitch again. Or it just doesn't load. I'm sure if I go to Pornhub, everything will load. But Patreon, a membership site that people pay for, it doesn't work. Hello, guys. Octavian, real men have hair uh, where you can't see it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, unfortunately, it's, uh, you know, I, I, when I signed up for steroids, I didn't sign up for the hair that came along with it. I never had chest hair and I never had back hair or butthole hair. And then I went on steroids and then a couple of years later, I had hair everywhere. Uh, not on my, the palms of my hand, but everywhere else I do have it. And I don't like hair. So I wish somebody told me that. So, dude, you, you might experience some hair loss and whatever hair you lose is going to migrate to your back. And your butt cheeks. <laughs> Fuck. 
Patreon, you disappoint me, dude. What is going on? Guys, if you posted a question on Patreon and it didn't get answered, it was either too long to post into the chat or uh, it's because Patreon is uh, mildly disappointing again. And there's only two people here today. Everybody must be on holiday, no? You know, it's weird. Like I have, I think I have a hundred members between Patreon and YouTube combined. And there's only a couple people who ask questions. <laughs> I mean, you're paying $10 to be part of this membership, uh, private figures Q&A, and then nobody <laughs> asks fucking questions, dude. Oh my God. Maybe it's just like a, like a pity donation. You know, here, Steve, take your $10. Shut the fuck up. Alright. Domitov, strength and weight is noticeably up. Okay, so at least we know that your Anadrol is working. So if you don't have a reduction in appetite, and you're at the four-week mark, let's make a deal. You go for blood work. You see how your blood work parameters have changed from the start of your cycle to where you are now. If your liver enzymes are not dramatically high, and your lipids haven't dramatically skewed, so let's say, let's say uh, of course, they're never going to be per perfect on 400 milligrams of testosterone inhalated per week. So let's say you were, um, you know, at the start, you were, uh, everything was within baseline. You were perfectly healthy. And then at the three-week mark, before you add the anadrol, your HDL was 40, your LDL was, let's say, 110, 115. And your liver enzymes kind of went to the top of the reference range, let's say 40, 50 I, um, IUs per, mil per liter or per milliliter. What was it? Whatever. <laughs> It eludes me now. And now they're double, but your lipids are still pretty much the same. Or maybe your HDL is like 35 and your LDL is 120. And your liver enzymes went up. Okay, put all the things in place to keep your liver healthy and your lipids in range. So add in some azetamide, add in some citrus bergamot. Um, go with fish oil with each meal, right? And then, of course, you know, the, the usual cookie cutter liver health protection stack of uh, 500 to 1,000 milligrams uh, Tutka, 2,000 milligrams NAC with the glycine, right? So you take 1,000 milligrams um, NAC in the morning uh, with 1,000 milligrams or 2,000 milligrams glycine. Take that again in the evening because that's supposedly magic for glutathione stores. Otherwise, you go with the 600 milligrams to 1,800 milligrams injectable glutathione three times per week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday. That's sublime for liver health. And, uh, you know, add uh, plenty of fiber to your diet for bowel flow and excretion and all that good stuff. So, right, if your liver enzymes are manageable and your lipids are manageable and you don't get a reduction in appetite, your strength is up, but your water retention isn't crazy, you don't experience any gynecomastia and all of your blood work parameters are still within range, um, you want to make the gains, keep going. Yeah, listen to your body, keep going. It's not giving you any adverse effects. So if the effects are not adverse, and you're still getting good results, I would say keep going. I would rather have you take another injectable, obviously, maybe 400 milligrams of testosterone and 400 milligrams Primo. That's a little bit more sustainable, not as best on your liver enzymes, not so liver toxic. It will still give you good strength, but obviously not the fullness and the insane strength gains that you would get from 350 milligrams anadrol per week. So again, do the blood work, see where you're at, and then make the appropriate adjustment. And if your blood work is fucked, then, uh, well, you go back on testosterone 400 milligrams per week, you still run the same uh, lipids and liver health protocol for supplementation. And then you wait a couple of weeks and then maybe increase the testosterone, add in a little bit of an aromatized inhibitor or perhaps primobol and amastrone. Keep incrementally building up those dosages until you reach the end of the off-season or your cutting phase and you should look freaky good. 
Next time, save the anadrol for the end of your off-season or the end of your cutting phase when the strength and the fullness, um, you know, or you need to blow past strength plateaus. Um, and then it's actually, uh, you know, a better time to add that in. So I would say that you add it in a little bit too early. But if you're healthy, you know, push it to six weeks, eight weeks, uh, depending on uh, how your blood work is currently. Octavian, maybe there's uh, will be a poll with deep dive on neurotoxicity or trend or DECA. Uh, you know, what I've noticed is that, uh, you know, you ask, you, you put a poll and then uh, people vote for it and they still don't get any views. <laughs> so you can't win, man. Uh. Ah, so he's on the liver stack. So, Dolmatov, I think that your liver health is just fine, and that's uh, that's why you don't have any appetite uh, issues. So, f feel free to keep going. I know people who ran out all their entire way through their contest prep, you know, 16 weeks, and they uh, just stayed very, very full, and they didn't really go flat, so they didn't mess with their mental state, like, oh, I'm going flat, I need carbs, and... You know, the anadrol kept them full, so they didn't feel like uh, taking carbs. And they, the anadrol kept them strong, so they didn't feel like cheating on their diet. Um, so they had a good gym performance. And even though their liver health, of course, declined over those six weeks, um, it wasn't as dramatic as, uh, you know, taking Tremblone for 16 weeks, for example, which ruined their mood and put their that perpetual ring cloud over their head. And they were severely insufferable to be around. I can't get those... I can't get those uh, to those Patreon questions. Man. Hmm. How's the audio quality today, guys? I keep uh, adjusting this microphone, but I really don't know anymore. I had a podcast with the Dr. Dean St. Martz, and then somehow the camera uh, audio cut off. So I had to use the, the microphone audio from the recording and it sounded very, very weird. So, you know, that podcast will be up on Monday. All right. Sounds great. Good. I, uh, I ordered like some, uh, you know, recording equipment, right? Stuck in customs, lost 500 bucks down the drain. <sighs> the joys of living in Thailand. So I'm just going to buy, uh, everything here soon. And have some guy install it for me because I don't want to go through the ringer and I honestly don't really have time to do it anymore. So I'm just going to pay a guy to install it for me, whatever it costs, it will cost. And then hopefully at one point I'll have a, a flawless new setup for the best video quality and the best audio quality. And then I don't have to tanker, uh, tinker with it anymore because I got many a headache trying to set it up. Right? I lift weights and I put them down and occasionally I read a study about these electronics. Ugh. Yeah, not my forte, unfortunately. I was uh, I'm okay at editing though. Editing is pretty okay, but all these electronics, it's beyond me. All the little settings. Well, Patreon is not loading for me. Guys, can you go into Patreon and see if it's loading for you? Because I find it very strange that this is the only thing that uh, is not working. All right, Jake. What resources would you recommend for learning to invest in crypto? All right, so a couple uh, websites, a couple subscribers that I would recommend. And of course, you can use any investment book that you can find. Um, I read a couple of investment books and trading books, but I can't remember what they were called. <laughs> I'm going to be brutally honest. So a couple, um, let me see, subscriptions. 
Let's see which channels I am subscribed to. Crypto or us? That's uh, George. Cryptos are us. Let me type that. Crypto are us. Here, you have a look at this channel. Very positive. He's not always right, but uh, oh, at least you keep up with the news this way. It's like a news channel. You know, this is this is going on today in the news, and you know when the FOMC meetings are and that kind of stuff. Uh, Benjamin Cohen, one of the best um, analysis. Benjamin Cohen. He has a great uh, membership option. I'm subscribed there. You can see all kinds of macroeconomic data. Highly beneficial. <laughs> Highly beneficial. And this guy is very, very smart when it comes to long-term investments. So I, um, I usually keep his um, opinions into consideration when I make my trades. Benjamin Cohen, super smart individual. Coin Bureau, also good for the recent news. Uh, I don't think he's so in tune, uh, but he has a very, very big YouTube channel. And it's the same thing what you see with uh, Uberman, right? Once you break that 1 million subscribers and you see the potential that your YouTube channel can have, you also have to be super, 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 super careful. And a little bit of that, um, I know that hardcore information that I really like right, is lost. So I feel that I'm missing that with Coin Bureau and the same as with Uberman, right? Half of the podcast is just uh, disclaimers. Like, if then maybe, like, you know, you have to pay attention to this, have to pay attention to this, not going into dosages and that kind of stuff. It's, um, yeah, a little bit unfortunate. Like, I think if Uberman had a, uh, you know, audience like mine, like 100,000 people that are all, um, you know, want a little bit more out of life, then his content would be a lot better. But I get it. You know, if you have a large audience, you got to, you know, tone it down and make it a little bit more vanilla for everybody to understand. And uh, the more people subscribe to your uh, YouTube channel, the more uh, drama you can expect to come along with that. Uh, what else? Uh, chart Champions. They have a good, uh, let me see. Chart Champions. It's mostly for hardcore trading. These guys, they also have a Discord group, which you can sign up for. Not the cheapest but they gave a very good insight for day trading. So if you're into day trading and you want to make some quick bucks, you know, they use the retracement and the Fibonacci levels and all that kind of stuff. And that's uh, very, very good if you have some uh, disposable income to trade with. And then there's another one, which I was subscribed to recently. He's actually in Bali. I forget the name of all these YouTube channels though. So where is this? Uh, no, is it Jason Pizzino? Ah, yeah, Jason Pizzino. This guy. And he also, he kind of compares the stock exchange to the current cryptocurrency market and then goes to uh, longitudinal data that goes back all the way to the 70s and starts comparing, you know, what the market does and how Bitcoin, the cryptocurrency market, kind of responds to that. So if you start watching these four YouTube channels, uh, CryptoZeras, Benjamin Cohen, Chart Champions, and uh, Jason Pizzino, and maybe uh, Satoshi Stackers, he also got some good information sometimes, usually pulls it off Twitter. Uh, let me see, where is this? How do you spell it? He's a little bit clickbaity with his titles, but I mean, can you blame the guy? This guy I also like, he's not always right, but he usually gets the uh, the news quite early. All these little things that you would find on Twitter that I don't have time for uh, tracking. Satoshi Stacker. So these five channels I follow 
And then, you know, trading advice you can basically get from a lot of other YouTube channels, which just go break down how you need to pay attention to the Fibonacci levels and how to pay attention to, uh, you know, uh, Wyckoff distribution patterns and when to recognize bottoms and tops. Well, there's a whole market for that as well, but that's a completely different market. All right, the tops and the bottoms, uh, you guys can <laughs> figure it out. Um, yeah, we're welcoming to all uh, genders here and the preferences. Uh, so yeah, just try to figure it out and then observe the market for a year or two. And uh, and then when you feel confident in the trade you've made, you can just fictively trade by yourself. You write it down. I would have bought here and um, I plan to sell here based on these, uh, you know, indicators. See if that plays out. And then if you have uh, 10 trades that are successfully in a row, then you start actually investing, you know. Don't be like what I did, where you just throw money into it because you think that the market is going to go up and then just sell at the top. Actually, that does sound very good, right? Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, I'll leave that up to you. Uh, let's see. Don't you know a guy to help with customs? Yeah, I, uh, I had a guy to help with customs, but apparently when it comes to these electronics, uh, there was a little bit of an issue. I, I'm not going to go into detail too much, but uh, it seems that that entire shipment was lost that my uh, <laughs> package was in. So, you know, when you use a shipping forwarder that uh, ships other stuff alongside your package, then, uh, yeah, shit might happen. That's the risk you run, right? Welcome to Thailand. Anthony. How long do pharmacrate compounds last? Let's say testosterone anethate and unconstituted growth hormone. Um, well, testosterone anethate, I think if you keep it, you know, in a dark uh, place with a stable temperature, uh, it probably lasts 100 years. <laughs> really? <laughs> if the temperature is stable, just room temperature doesn't fluctuate, maybe not more than 5 degrees, so 20 to 25 degrees or, or 15 to 20 degrees. And, you know, it's it's not humid or if it's in an ampule or valve, doesn't really matter, right? Um, and it's it's in a place where, you know, the sunshine uh, doesn't go uh, because of all the hair that is growing around your steroid drawer. I might, might want to trim that off. Uh, if there's no sunshine uh, directly into it and, uh, and the, you know, the fluctuations, I think it's gone. It, I think it's good very, very long. I mean, I still have some expired anadrol in my cabinet that expired in 2015 that I would occasionally take, you know, before leg day up until the previous cycle here and there. Like today, I don't want to have a good day. You put some... 50 milligrams uh, anadrol under your tongue and then uh, have a kick-ass workout, right? Still worked, just the same as when I bought it. So, and, and you know, I've injected testosterone well past its expiration date, again, uh, assuming that it's a pharmaceutical. So there were a couple of batches of Bayer and Rotex Medica um, from 2019. And I think I had still had some left because I buy in bulk. You know, I like the discount. So you buy 100, 200 ampules at a time. Um, so, you know, some of them were expired two years afterwards and I would still use them. No problem. Now, unconstituted GH, it's a little bit tricky because you can't really tell if the GH is good or not um, based on the puck, the lyophilized puck. But if you put that uh, in the fridge or you keep it in the fridge in a stable temperature, again, where it's dark most of the time, and at least the kit is dark inside, so you don't have these empty vials in a plastic, uh, you know, uh, you know, Ziploc bag in the, you know, right next to the, um, the light source, right? Every time you open the fridge, and yes, the, when you close the fridge, the light source goes out, right? For the guys who didn't know, <laughs> why waste all that energy? There's a little button in the middle next to your door where you can actually press it and then the light goes out. So anyway, just keep your uh, GH in the kit, right? Or in uh, something that's, uh, 
you know, dark and sealed off. If you reconstitute it and it's clear, still good, baby. <laughs> still good. If it's reconstituted and it's cloudy, then it's denatured, right? It could be through shipping or temperature fluctuations or simply because it's old or you accidentally injected uh, something else that's uh, back to static water or sterile water or, um, you know, uh, so uh, sodium sodium water, right? That, that could happen. Um, so, you know, get your hands dirty and see if it still works, <laughs> I would say. But I, yeah, I've, I've used some things well past its expiration date because pharmaceuticals uh, is expensive. And I've talked to clients, sometimes they find like GH in the fridge that's been there for like three years, three years after the expiration date. And they're like, oh, wonder if this still works. Like Nordytropin pens, you know, pre-constituted, perfectly clear. They inject it for a week, they go for a serum test and everything checks out. Great. Pumpy dingus, nice. Wouldn't Bevelo be a good choice to manage some isolated systolic hypertension, 135 to 140 over 70, and elevated heart rate? What dose should I start with? Yeah, that should be good. Um, but I think it's very likely that you have elevated hypertension because you're uh, magnesium deficient. So you see the, the, you know, the systolic is very, very high, but your diastolic is uh, normal, right? 65 to 70 is normal. So that means that every time your heart contracts, the arteries, uh, which are also have muscles around them, so they can contract and relax to kind of help you pass the blood along, they're deficient in magnesium. So maybe they stay uh, contracted because the calcium is there, but there's not a sufficient amount of magnesium to relax as the heart is contracting. So let's start you on 200 milligrams uh, magnesium bisglycinate with meals first to restore your uh, magnesium deficiency. If that's too much, then um, dial it back a little bit, right? You, you know it's too much if you get diarrhea because you can't absorb so much and then the magnesium will kind of hold some fluid in your stomach and you'll just, uh, well, well, just start shitting out most of the magnesium and all of the other foods that you have. So it acts as a quite a potent laxative. So I would start at 200 milligrams magnesium bisglycinate with five meals. It's 1,000 milligrams of magnesium on top of the magnesium that you already get from your diet. Try to figure out how much magnesium you get from your diet from uh, nutritional websites. Hopefully you get uh, 1,500 milligrams magnesium per day. Again, if you're an athlete, I don't think there's anything wrong with 1,500 milligrams magnesium daily, especially to cover this um, deficiency that I think that you have. And then if that doesn't work, or it only lowers your uh, systolic hypertension slightly, from, let's say to um, you know 130, which is still slightly a little bit too high, maybe 115, 120 would be better, um, then you can look into the bivol, but look into the electrolytes first. Uh, look into uh, fish oil, look into vitamin E, look into taurine, right? All these things helps with cardiac function. So um, I had multiple things that could be going on and check if you have systemic inflammation because if your arteries in, are inflamed chronically through smoking, uh, GHB, uh, other recreational drugs or synthetic carrier oils, which are found in the underground labs, then the arteries can't really contract either or uh, relax either. They're always in this chronically inflamed state and they're kind of stiff and damaged on the inside. So uh, do your blood work, check your magnesium levels. And even if your magnesium levels in serum are low, I still think that you're magnesium deficient and you should supplement royally, ideally 200 milligrams per meal, uh, 1000 milligrams supplemental per day. Yeah, and then you can start with 2.5 to 5 milligrams nebivalol if that doesn't fix it. I know that nebivalol is easier, but please, just do the magnesium. You, you can source that easier too, right? And it's not that expensive. I think a bottle of magnesium is just the same price as a, as a box of um, nebivalol, and both are 
um, you know, you probably go through a month in a month, right? With the amount of magnesium or the amount of tablets of nabivolol that you want to take to get your blood pressure in range. But the difference between nabivolol and magnesium is that magnesium will also improve skeletal muscle function, and nabivolol will reduce your metabolic rate slightly. Right? So you might get fat, and you might lower your libido, and all that bad stuff, right? Read the differences between the side effects of magnesium and nabivolol. And with magnesium, it's cost and perhaps diarrhea if you take too much. And the list of side effects from the bivalol, very long. Yeah. So, yeah. Go with the magnesium. Freedom baby. I have visible abs and still aromatize too much on testosterone. Estradiol was 65 picograms per milliliter. And test was 1,650 nanograms per deciliter. Baby. Before even starting TRT, uh, if I drink alcohol two days in a row, I would feel gyno starting and sensitivity uh, it could be there from another issue going on with me. Okay, so there could be a couple things uh, wrong with you. Even if you're lean, you could still have a lot of uh, aromatase enzyme expression. I mentioned this several times before, but a lot of people are deficient in nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, which re uh, regulates all of the enzymatic reactions in the body, including aromatase enzymes and 5-alpha reductase enzymes, type 1, 2, and 3. So if you're deficient in NAD+, because your nicotinamide adenine dinucleotide, or, or nicotinamide mononucleotide intake, or nicotinamide riboside, or basically uh, niacin <laughs> intake, right, vitamin B3, is not sufficient, uh, start with vitamin B3, over-the-counter supplement in the form of a B100 complex, or you go with NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide supplementation to increase your NAD plus levels downstream, or you can be hardcore and start IVing that once per week. Um, the Aromatized expression will go down because you have enough NAD plus for the aromatized enzymes to function correctly. Right? I hope you understand this. You have less aromatized enzymes to uh, offset the lack of. Uh, you have. Let's see. Now, right now, you probably have a lot of uh, aromatized enzyme expression because your NAD plus levels are too low. And if you bring your NAD plus levels up, your aromatized enzyme expression will come down, and thus you have less conversion of testosterone into estradiol. This is something what I've noticed myself. I mean, I, I can take quite a bit of HCG and quite a bit of uh, testosterone, but I aromatize a lot less after taking a nicotinamide mononucleotide than NAD+. Not so much clinical evidence to back this up, though. Right? It's reasonably new, this anti-aging drug, so it hasn't really been investigated regarding aromatized enzymes or valfav reductase enzymes in the context of... Uh, converting testosterone into something else but i do feel that the what i'm the point that i'm making is sound because i see that on my own blood work and a lot of people's blood work that uh, take nad plus is that you know some of these um, you know metabolites start to reduce so have that into a consideration and of course alcohol i mean contains uh, phytoestrogens which could convert or speed up the conversion of testosterone into estradiol or increase your estrogen burden overall so Keep that in mind. Uh, Antino, Antonio Mostico is the AP, the same AP from Google search. Not sure if this is allowed here. You mean the anabolic pharmacist? Uh, yes. <laughs> yes, that is the guy. Yeah. And all you have to do is look for the international or domestic PDF. And then, uh, you know, you make a trade. You make a trade between uh, cryptocurrency and uh, products. Best guy ever. Best source on the planet. Oh, where, where are we? Sorry. Octavian, five grams per day of taurine is enough to take advantage of all of its benefits? Yes, in my opinion, it is. 
Yeah, or at least when it comes to uh, mitigating the lower back pump and shin splints and the carpal tunnel that you might expect from high dosages of growth hormone. Uh, regarding the anti-aging, some people go up to 10 to 20 grams per day, but they're probably taurine deficient for a very long time. So they need to offset uh, the deficit that they were in. Um, start looking into taurine for anti-aging. There's so much new videos on YouTube right now that show that taurine is very beneficial for anti-aging. A lot of rodent studies, of course, right? But maybe that's why um, yours truly you looks quite youthful off cycle because I've been on the touring um, bandwagon game train <laughs> for uh, 2023 now, 12 years, 10 years, I think longer even. I think I added in touring, well, around the time I started going on Clen. <laughs> Let's be honest, that was, uh, when, when did I take Clen on my first cycle? When was that again? I was 26, uh, Jesus. 2009, two, yeah, 2009, 2010. So it's, yeah, let's say 13, 14 years ago, I, I went on taurine and I never stopped. Yeah, taurine replacement therapy, TRT. <laughs> it's a good joke, right? Please confirm that it's a good joke. I can't be laughing at my own joke just by myself. Guys, there's four people in the chat. Laugh with me, okay? Taurine replacement therapy. Give me a like or something. Please, right, I'm going to try one more time on Patreon because we have 15 minutes left. Man, guys, whoever posted on Patreon, I'm sorry that I didn't answer your question. Some of them were way too long, so I didn't preload them and I can't get to them. So I'll, uh, I'll answer them in the Patreon page after we're done. All right. Octavian thinks it's a good joke. Much appreciated, buddy. <laughs> Octavian is always here. All right, did I miss anything upstairs? No, no, no. I think we're all good. All right, I guess we're done already. All right, guys, four, three people in the chat. Somebody already left. Uh, if you have some questions, now would be the time. Otherwise, we're gonna go public. Let me check if uh, Paul Burnett is still going live, because otherwise he steals all of my audience. Paul. I wasn't invited today. Oh, he's still alive. Well, let's just kick back then a bit, huh? Let's just kick back. I'm going to Oppenheimer tomorrow. Yeah, it should be a fun movie. Um, I should go to Barbie at some time too, but it's releasing at the same time. So I guess Barbie maybe will be next week. I would like to go watch it though. It should be a couple of good jokes in there. Um, unless something else comes up, then uh, yeah, <laughs> I'll go do something else. Anthony, as a non-competitive bodybuilder, would you recommend a long off-season or shorter growth phase followed by a small cut? Um, I like a long off-season with the occasional mini diet. So it's basically the same as what you're asking, your growth phase followed by a small cut. You know, you need a little bit of a mini diet to kind of reset, restore your gut microbiome, your digestive tract, your insulin sensitivity, uh, you know, first and foremost, and also make sure that you're, um, you know, you don't get too fat. And during this time, you're still in maintenance calories, um, but the insulin sensitivity can return. You add a little bit of uh, you know, cardio, you reduce the volume a little bit to kind of restore or recover some of these nagging injuries that you have. And then over these one to two weeks, you're kind of ready to uh, start another growth phase. But if you do that multiple phases in succession, so let's say you have a six to eight week growth phase and then a, a two week mini cut, for example, six to eight week growth phase, two week mini cut, 
uh, or a kind of a reset, uh, reset, a deload, right? Reducing the volume, reducing the overall stress that you put on your body with the heavy weights. Then I think over time you can put on a decent amount of mass, right? Especially if you start timing that with your IGF-1. So you're on IGF-1 for three weeks, then 10 days off, right? Right on the calendar. First 21 days of the calendar, you're on IGF-1. And then the last uh, seven to 10 days, you're off the IGF-1. And then you do that again, right? You time the second phase of being off IGF-1 with your uh, little mini cut slash deload. And you just keep doing that. Just keep doing that until um, everybody thinks you're a freak. Yeah, uh, don't get any distractions of doing a contest prep. Don't get any distractions by going on holiday. Don't get any distractions by frat parties. Right? If you keep doing that and you only do that, you can uh, put on a lot of size quite rapidly. But, you know, for most of us, life gets in the way. Uh, you don't want to go on holiday and then you lose two weeks and then you have to take two weeks to get the fat off. And then you need two more weeks to get really back into the groove of things. And then you lose six weeks of making gains. Right? And it happens a couple times per year. And then at the end of the year, you only gain uh, five kilos instead of 15. Uh, that's the unfortunate reality of it. Let's see. Do any of your clients have experience with AP's generic GH? Asking for a friend. Yeah, sure. Um, does he even have generics? I thought he only had a pharmaceutical. I'm not sure. No, I'm not sure. Let me see if I... I know uh, last week or a couple days ago, I made that video with Aaron, right? About the Sinotrop. And then a lot of people asked him if he had Sinotrop in stock. <laughs> so that was pretty funny. He's like, dude, everybody's asking me about Sinotropin now. The good thing about anabolic pharmacists is that he also watches, um, you know, the bodybuilding space. He actually loves the community. So I don't know about his generic GH, but, um, you know, if you put it on his list, I'm, I'm, I'm pretty sure that it's good. All of his other products, at least the pharmaceuticals are good. But, you know, I don't keep track of the generics and I don't keep track of the underground labs. Personally, I would not touch it uh, no matter who sells it. Um, but, you know, I'm financially secure enough to buy pharmaceutical grades. Uh, allegedly, I put in a big order of Sizen and made anabolic pharmacists go out of stock. Allegedly. <laughs> yeah. All right, Octavian, tomorrow night, uh, 6.40 p.m. Oppenheimer. I'm ready for the 5D nuclear experience. I'm loading with ba <laughs> baby tanks. <laughs> so... Octavian tomorrow is definitely single. First, he spends the entire night with uh, yours truly, Victor, Steve, and the rest of the community. And then tomorrow, he's uh, Dutch ovening. <laughs> the Dutch oven, his girlfriend. I learned something a couple of weeks ago. Yeah, He's doing the Dutch oven with his girlfriend at the cinema. So not only can his girlfriend enjoy, but everybody else in the cinema also. Um, so, yeah, do the baked beans and eggs and get some... Um, you know, some garlic and some onion in your diet. So let's say four to five hours, it's usually the sweet spot. And then hold it uh, up until the point of the end of the movie where, uh, you know, the, the, the uh, Oppenheimer uh, nuclear tests are taking place. And then you let loose. Bring some tissues because you never know how much of the baked beans will come along with that. Yeah. Freedom, baby. Do people really respond to that drastically different to different steroids? I've been on... The forum's looking at people's thoughts on Primo. Some people love it, some people hate it, and say it doesn't do much. Uh, some people just have shit sources. <laughs> I'd say, dude. But, you know, there's there's three kinds of people, right? The people who do research, the people who don't do research, and um, 
the people who don't take steroids. <laughs> let's let's put let's put the entire bodybuilding community in this in three categories. So the people who don't take steroids, they're the naturals. They're not here. The people who don't do research on the forums, a lot of them, they think they're doing research, but they're not. They're not researching about the steroids. They're not researching about the sources, and they just take Primo because somebody else told them to take Primo. They don't even know how to work or how to combine that with particular other. Uh, anabolic energetic steroids to get the most out of it and then they just go with the first source that's cheap and uh, brewing at a 200 milligram per one milliliter dose which is actually something else they don't get the results that they're after plus because they don't do research they're probably shit bodybuilders also right so they need the anadrol they need the trend they need the mint to actually get some sort of results and they say that primo is weak when in reality primo is not weak it just means that they're a shit bodybuilder sorry to say it but that's the large majority of the people who don't do research and then there's people who do research. They know exactly which sources to trust, exactly where to get pharmaceutical Primo. Um, they're willing to pay $25 per ampule. Yes, that's the going price uh, right now, unfortunately. They're willing to pay that much because that they know that pharmaceutical Primo is shit. And they put so much effort into their bodybuilding journey. They eat on time. They don't miss meals. They um, take the supplements that are required. They're training at the best gym with the best environment. They're highly motivated. They don't miss injections. They pay attention to their sleep. They're doing everything right. And then you put Primo in the mix and it's just like magic. Although your wallet will be crying. Yeah. So uh, people that say that Primo is bad, uh, just shit bodybuilders. Don't listen to them. Every bodybuilder that I know that's good uh, likes his Primo. Even when it's $25 per amp. Yeah, it sucks, but, you know, it's worth it. Uh, most people use Underground Lab Primo, which is most... Okay, so you just have to go with Octavian. He knows how to answer all the questions just like I do. Octavian has been around so long, he can just speak for me. Yeah. You want to host the, the Vickers Q&A next time? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe Octavian should be the guy that answers all my di uh, DMs, uh, DMs from now on. All right, guys, we've got five minutes left. So you've got five minutes left to ask your questions. Otherwise, we're going to go public. Let's chase, uh, let's see. Paul's still alive. Still alive. What are these guys talking about? I should watch. Uh, I feel a little bit, um, uh, a little bit bad that I wasn't invited again. But they got Tanner Tatered on. So, um, welcome to the fitness industry, Tanner. Good job. Mm -mm -mm. All right. Well, my girlfriend dumps if my, if my girlfriend dumps me out of me a free time. Yeah, yeah. But more free time alone is not the same as uh, spending free time with your significant other. Trust me. Yeah, I would rather not be single. All right, guys. I guess that's it. Uh, let me go to the bathroom, and then we're gonna throw up, uh, throw it publicly, and then get all the super chats in. Be right back. Cool. Set this live. Oh, where is it? Public. Hi, right, guys. I'm going to the bathroom. I'll see you in two. Oh, last, qu last question. Freedom, baby. Curious what plastic surgery men get. You always hear about women, but never men. Um, most of them just get hair transplants, you know, so they get a little bit of grafts from the back of the head they move to the front and then, you know, they get this line nicely done, just as nice as mine, although mine is still, uh, you know, uh, uh, completely uh, transplant free. 
Um, you know, rhinoplasty, uh, usually abdominal surgeries, gynecomastia surgeries. Uh, you know, some guys get, you know, the, the, the nasty stuff done, uh, like, uh, you know, uh, PRP injections or whatever, or no, the, the PMMA injections, right, or silicone or whatever. Uh, I think that's a little bit off the, uh, the radar, but yeah, a lot of guys can just get small surgeries done, you know, moles removed or uh, teeth lightened. I mean, I, I'm due for one also. It's been a while. Too many cigars, all right? Maybe it's a color correction. Yeah, I'm due for one, I'm sure. So, uh, yeah. Anyway, guys, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back. It seems that uh, people are already joining the chat. So allow me to relieve myself, and then I'll be back to answer your questions. <laughs> be right back, guys. All right. I always get a panic attack seeing if this microphone is on while going to the bathroom and peeing, but <laughs> luckily it was off. Might have farted a little bit. All right, freedom, baby. Uh, oh, we already answered this question. Let's see. What's up, guys? All right. Are you guys ready for uh, the flood of questions? I'm going to select the best ones until I see some super chats. Uh, let me see. Caesar, anybody ever experienced brain fog while running HCG? Uh, no, no, but some people have an adverse reaction. So if you experience some brain fog, um, you know, maybe injected in the morning right around the mealtime. So you have a little bit of nutrients in your uh, bloodstream to help with uh, the brain fog potentially, right? But um, if it does happen, you know, and it still keeps happening, maybe take it before bed, then you just, you know, fall asleep. But some people get some insomnia from the HCG because their testosterone levels go up quite a bit. So watch that video about insomnia on TRT. That's valid for HCG monotherapy as well. And otherwise, you know, maybe your HCG is kind of uh, bad quality. You maybe source a pharmaceutical grade from... Uh, um, you know, some of the websites that I have on my website and get yourself some Merck Ovitrel, recombinant HCG, which is uh, highly pure because it's recombinant and not urine purified and it's pharmaceutical and not EGL. Yeah. Bruno, that is just like your opinion, man. Yeah. I know, the big Lebowski strikes again. All right, here we go. Dolmatov. Aren't you just a member? <laughs> Why are you doing super chats when you're a member? All right. Should have asked me just a bit ago. 
Uh, weird, YouTube doesn't uh, doesn't allow me to send super chats during the subs only part. Here you go. Thank you once again. Okay, so yeah, when we're private for the Patreon and YouTube memberships, there's no super chats allowed because it's a private one. But when we go public, then you can do super chats. But you're already a member, so there's no need to super chat. But still, I highly appreciate it. Uh, so we can invest in some good uh, equipment because this thing is bothering me so much with the poor audio quality to get out of it that I'm... Um, I'm so ready to smash it, but I need a replacement first. <laughs> so statute. This $10 will go to um, hiring somebody to set it all up for me because I'm so tired to do it myself. Brendan Cooper. Caber or Prime to manage prolactin levels on Anadrol? Um, Anadrol shouldn't raise your prolactin levels. Honestly. <laughs> Anadrol shouldn't raise your prolactin levels. I know it has some estrogenic effects, potentially, right? But if there's no progestogen, uh, progestogenic compound in the picture, then I don't think it's necessary. So look into L-tyrosine and vitamin B6 uh, P5P to bring your dopamine levels up. And, you know, everybody asks me for the dosages. So here we go again, 500 milligrams L-tyrosine and 100 milligrams vitamin B6 P5P twice per day, morning, afternoon. This should be sufficient for dopamine increase and prolactin reduction. And otherwise, uh, uh, caber, 0.25 milligrams once per week is more than enough to bring your prolactin levels down. But it's not sustainable, so be careful. Uh, Arana Joe, science and tech. Should I drop the bivalol uh, as I'm using Clen and Telmosartan during contest prep? Uh, Boston once said that Telmosartan makes you fat. What's well, a fact on the people? No, that's not true. Uh, nubivalol can slow your heart rate, obviously, and reduce the effectivity of clenbuterol. On the other side, nubivalol prevents negative heart remodeling, but telmosartan also has this effect. So go with your blood pressure. And again, depending on how far you are during contest prep, if you're behind, uh, you might want to take the nubivalol out for the clen to work better, right? But the telmosartan can stay in place to kind of offset the blood pressure increases or the blood pressure changes that you now get from taking the nubivalol out. So... Uh, long story short, check your blood pressure. See, um, give yourself a realistic time frame on if this uh, protocol is going to get you lean on time for in time to step on stage. And if not, take the nubivalol out, all right, for the client to become a little bit more effective because it does potentially allow fat loss through uh, the increase of your heart rate. All right. Hey, Steve, how would you plan your supplement intake during intermittent fasting? Um, you have most of your supplements with meals and supplements that don't require food to be absorbed with them. You can have uh, while you're fasting. It's that simple. So I usually take my supplements about 30 minutes before having a meal. Uh, sometimes I take them, you know, before fasted cardio because I have some uh, fat loss benefits or I want them to go systemic, right? The BCAAs, the Betator, HMB, uh, the glycine, that kind of stuff. Um, so I take them on an empty stomach and then uh, still do my cardio for some anti-catabolic effects. And, uh, and otherwise, you know, like most of the vitamins, right, you take them around meals because you want to have the meals to kind of slow the absorption of the vitamins because otherwise they enter your bloodstream way too fast and you don't really give your system, system adequate time to absorb them. Usually we have meals, you get a lot of vitamins and minerals uh, from that meal anyway, unless you go with, uh, you know, bullshit meals like whey protein and... Uh, you know, <laughs> some uh, fast carbohydrate source. I right? don't contain any micronutrients. But if you do have a regular meal, a bro food meal, have your vitamins and supplements with that. 
And then you kind of have to see which supplements you need to take on an empty stomach. So that's why I usually take them on an empty stomach 30 minutes before meal. Whatever supplements need to be absorbed on an empty stomach will get absorbed. And whatever doesn't get absorbed, that needs a little bit of food present, will then get absorbed when the food is entering my digestive tract uh, track 30 minutes later. So don't know if they're overcomplicated. Right? It's not like the timing of insulin. <laughs> that, that can be complicated. Ah, th any thoughts on uh, disopropylamine dichloroacetate, also known as data? They'll be included in the next video about uh, the performance-enhancing drugs. I didn't really have time to fully prepare for that video yet, but this one will be included. And then uh, we'll also discuss EPO and some of, some of the other compounds that are known to improve endurance. So should be probably next week that are recorded, but it might be another week before it's finally ready because these videos, they're long, like 30 minutes or 40 minutes. It's a lot of overlays, a lot of edits. So it takes my editor a multitude of days to edit it together. And it takes me a multitude of days to prepare for it. But this, uh, di what is it? Uh, Diisopropylamine dichloroacetate data will be included. I already started to prepare for it. Not so much uh, evidence on it, but it does look highly, highly promising. Yeah. Let me see. All right. Hi, coach. I love you. <laughs> Great. That's good to hear. Much appreciated. Shots fired at Skip. He just called Primo overrated. All right. So Skip, Skip and me, we have... Uh, Three things, uh, two things in common. He likes Anavar, he likes cats, but he doesn't like Primo. Skip, I love you, dude, but let me send you some Primo, please. <laughs> let me send you some Primo, bro. You will love it, trust me. Jin Kwan sends a sticker. All right, much appreciated. Have you already picked names for the Vickers babies? Yes. Yes. And that will be revealed when the babies are ready to be um, uh, welcomed into this world with open arms. Yeah. Yeah. Names are ready for both boys and girls and nothing in between. I don't believe in that shit. Uh, uproar TV. Uproar TV. Which blood markers would be affected if uh, you use bad carrier oils? That's a high sensitivity C-reactive protein, the homocysteine, the neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio, those three are all related to inf uh, inflammation within the body. Most likely is that high sensitivity C-reactive protein goes up and then your, um, your liver enzymes will also slightly elevate. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, your CPK levels might also go up. So you're... You create a lot of inflammation at the site of administration, right? So you get a little bit of leakage from the skeletal muscle because you have so much inflammation there. That inflammation goes systemic in the form of high-sensitivity C-reactive protein. And then some of the damage that you're doing locally with this synthetic carrier oil literally dissolving the muscle from the inside. Um, the CPK, right? But that's the, the skeletal muscle-specific CPK will go up. And then the aminotransferases, which are also found in skeletal muscle, will also go up. So now these are basically the CPK. You think it's from the heart, but it's not from the heart. It's from skeletal muscle, which is also muscle, right, but not skeletal. And then uh, the liver enzymes, which are aminotransferases, also found in skeletal muscle. So uh, CPK, uh, ALT, AST, high sensitivity C-reactive protein, and maybe homocysteine and neutrophil to lymphocyte ratio. If all of those are off or you're not happy with those results, uh, uh, throw your UGL in the trash. And keep in mind, guys, Arroches oil, which is pharmaceutically approved, can cause the same effect. 
right? So there's Sustanon, for example, or Dickey or Ball and pharmaceutical, braid, uh, pharmaceutical brands. They also use the righteous oil, and they can also give you a bad reaction, unfortunately. So get with the memo. All right. Your question is there. All right, where is it? Ah, here it is. Okay. Yeah, you guys, you got to put your super chats with uh, your message. Otherwise, I miss them. And then I think you're just sending me money for uh, no reason, which I do enjoy, right? Shake it, baby. Uh, <laughs> uh, but otherwise, yeah, it's a little bit easier if you do it at the same time. All right. Uh, hey, Steve, I get immediately skin rash on injectable mint every time on my face. Also flakes and hair under my beard. Is it a reaction from the carrier oil? Any solutions? Throw that mint in the trash. Just throw it away. Yeah, you may you may have a slight anaphylactic shock, dude. I mean, if it's going systemic on your face right away, and if you get that puffy face where you have like red patches, like you just do, took a boatload of nice and, and somebody, uh, you know, was kind of booty clapping you in the face or just slapping you in the face the whole time so it gets puffy, that's anaphylactic shock. Throw that mint away, dude. Respect your body, respect yourself, because the longer you use it, the worse it gets. And then, you know, flakes on the hair and under the beards. I mean, you must be in the worst inflammatory state known to man. So please, do everybody a favor, especially yourself. Don't inject it anymore. Throw it away and just use pharmaceutical testosterone and, and maybe Primo if you can, uh, can afford it. Yeah, sounds horrible. All right, where are we? Adrian, what's up, buddy? Do you have a question? Oh, yes. <laughs> Adrian is sending money for no reason. <laughs> All right. Well, don't don't start wanting upping everybody again, because the last time you did that, uh, we got so many dollars that I got a dinner for free in Bali. So much appreciated, Adrian. I may be swinging by uh, um, Canada at one point, but I'll keep you posted. Yeah, I'll keep you posted. Kratos, what protocol is recommended for badly uh, pulled adductor? I'm on 1.7 grams of steroids, 6 I use a growth hormone, 30 I use a Volantis. Should I drop the steroids to crows and keep the peptides as is? Um, well, you kind of have to see how, how long it's going to take for you to recover from this uh, doctor injury. Because if it's only like two or three weeks, there's no black and blue, no bruising, uh, you can still walk. Then I would just say stay in your cycle, continue with the protocol, just reduce your food intake a little bit if you're going to be immobile uh, for a while to kind of recover this injury. And then, uh, you know, keep the steroids and the GH uh, there and add in the TB500 and BPC157. Make sure you get your collagen uh, supplements in twice per day, three times per day. Uh, maybe add some glutamine uh, in there and some taurine, right? All these things that help with uh, connective tissue healing and, of course, uh, healing of muscle tissue. And then also, um, you know, maybe look into uh, GHK copper, albeit that those GHK copper injections are quite painful. So... Do a proper injury uh, recovery protocol. I have videos about this on my YouTube channel. And then, you know, if it's really black and blue and it's completely pulled and you need weeks and weeks and weeks off, yeah, then just go to TRT, stand to two to three units of growth hormone, inject it around the site of the injury with the TB500 and the BPC157, one milligram each, maybe five to 10 milligrams uh, GH, uh, GHK copper. Take the lattice out. And just recover, you know, and it sucks when you have a severe muscle injury like that, that you actually need to take some time off, but it's better to take some time off instead of training around the injury. You know, you can't really go hard on the other body parts and you're not really recovering the injury optimally also. 
So yeah, um, if it's black and blue, I would stop, like severely black and blue to the point it looks like uh, one of your testicles kind of smeared itself out over <laughs> your adductor on one side. But if there's no bruising, um, you're probably back, uh, back in the gym in two weeks, so you keep your cycle going, baby. Marco Marcel, any questions with that? Yes, guys, combine it, please. Coach, I'm going on vacation on a deload, going down to TRT as well. What supplements do I take with me? Um, Aromacin, maybe? Uh, BCAs? Dude, you're going on vacation. I wouldn't bring any supplements with me. Just fucking relax, dude. <laughs> Just eat right. Walk around a lot, get your steps in, maybe do intermittent fasting. You do your sightseeing in the morning, you walk around a lot, and then you have lunch and dinner, you call it a day, you enjoy yourself, you have a glass of wine or five. Fuck, man, it's holiday, dude. It's holiday. Just stay on TRT, uh, maybe bring some aromacin, and go sightseeing, you know? Go to the gym here and there, don't train too hard to the point you need all this protein synthesis and you can't drink any alcohol. Uh, chill, dude. That's what holiday is for. That's what I will do when I go to Japan in September. Yeah, probably won't even train. Ha! I'll just eat some uh, sushi and sake. Have fun. All right, Elgert. Would it make any sense on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday injection schedule to use 50 milligrams testosterone propionate on Monday and Wednesday, then 100 milligrams testosterone cypionate on Friday? Uh, I get it, but no. <laughs> you want to bridge those two days over the weekend with sip? I mean, the, the, the days, the half-life difference is quite steep. If you want a real uh, accurate go with testosterone phenyl propionate, which some of the underground labs also carry, I think that's, what, five to seven days? And pro or what was it? Was it five to seven days? I can't even remember. Um, but yeah, the, you know, that's all for complicated, dude. Or go with testosterone cypionate Monday, Wednesday, Friday, so you don't have to worry about it. Um, yeah, I think it's splitting hairs, honestly. But if that makes you feel better, then why the fuck not? Carson, are you rocking methylene blue on your hair or is it just the lighting? That's the lighting, guys. It's just the lighting, all right? If, uh, if I put this, well, you probably still see it. Yeah, well, it's too far. I can't reach it. But it's the lighting, guys. See, you see how it changes? It's right here, right? And if I move my head, it's not blue, but the, the hue of the blue is still there. So, guys... It's good for the algorithm, though. Every video people ask, Steve, did you dye your hair blue? And one point for the algorithm. So I'm not going to address it ever. <laughs> ha! Steve, how to control the increase in visceral fat on a bulk uh, blast phase? Uh, don't take too much insulin with simple carbs. Don't eat too much uh, saturated fats. And then do an occasional mini diet, you know, or fast every three months. Fasting is very good to remove visceral fat. Within two to five days, you can remove quite a bit of visceral fat. I mean, I've done organ imaging after off-seasons or during, uh, you know, uh, severely restrictive dieting phases, and I don't have any visceral fat. But you can really see that on the ultrasound. You can only see if the organs are spaced normally together, right? So you can base it on a secondary reading, basically. Um, so, yeah, if you diet once in a while, you know, the visceral fat that you store during the off-season uh, will be minimal, and if you don't eat like an asshole during your off-season where you think you need all these simple sugars into a workout and post-workout and pre-workout and before bed and in between meals and blah, 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 and you don't combine it with a ton of insulin, then you should be okay, right? And if you limit all the saturated fats, which also have a high tendency to be stored as visceral fat, 
then you're fine also, right? So don't get into a metabolic disaster and then you'll be okay. Bobby, what helps with cramps from Clembutrol? A proper electrolyte intake and taurine. So proper electrolyte intake, I have a video and an article about that. Search my website, search the YouTube channel, you'll get it. And then combine that with a thousand milligrams taurine with each meal five times per day or 5,000 milligrams of taurine before the workout, right? And a single serving or multiple servings throughout the day. 5,000 milligrams taurine per day, very good to prevent clen cramps or uh, lower back pumps or shin splints or uh, what was the other one? Uh, carpal tunnel syndrome from uh, growth hormone. And apparently it also has a ton of anti-aging properties as well, which uh, you can probably see plastered all of your YouTube recommendations recently. Just type in taurine and all these new studies will be presented. A lot of animal studies, but you know, that also counts to a certain extent. 1X, can I take Androctim by itself or do I have to take it with TRT as well? So yes. Andrek Tim, if you start rubbing that on your ding dong <laughs> to make it grow, uh, yes, PCT Mart is uh, back in stock of the Andrek Tim cream. So make sure you sure you use that vigorous discount code. Is that vigorous five or just vigorous? Okay, I forgot. Let me check my own. Uh, let me check my own link tree real quick. Uh, 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 uh. Vigorous, yeah, 5% discount. So I uh, followed the link on my Instagram story. I used the discount code. I think they just got back in stock. And then uh, I would use that with TRT or at least in clomiphene monotherapy or HCG because applying a DHT directly that close to your testicles will surely cause testicular shutdown, all right? So keep that in mind. Don't use this as a natural unless you have something in place um, to sustain your, um, you know, HPTA function or use a replacement dose of testosterone. Uh, otherwise, you're going to be testosterone and estradiol deficient because DHT is obviously a metabolite of testosterone, but it will shut you down, right? You, of course, you reduce the negative feedback of estradiol, but the same you would see with a, a, a 10 milligram or 20 milligram dose of osterine per day, you get HPTA shutdown. Same with all of the other SARMs. Um, and you would get the same from Androctim. So uh, even if you apply it locally, whether that's for beard growth or for uh, penile girth and length, uh, albeit, you know, in the video that I made about it, it was not that substantial. Uh, yes, I did try that, so you don't have to, unless you want to, then feel free to go ahead. Make sure you have some sort of TRT or enclomiphene or ACG monotherapy in place. Oh, let me see. Shrek. Steve, have you ever tried kava? I enjoy it as an alternative to alcohol for relaxing once in a week, but I was wondering if there's any major negatives. Kava. I'm going to have to Google that. <laughs> Did I ever take this? Kava leave. Is it Kratom? Kava is a decentralized blockchain. <laughs> no, 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 no. We're not talking about kava. We're talking about kava leave, not about blockchains, guys. Uh, 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 no, I don't think I've ever tried this. Sedative, anesthetic, euphorian properties. Hmm, looks interesting. No, I never tried it. Uh, you know, Kratom is legal. Maybe I can find it in some of the smart shops, but most of the drugs that are legal here in Thailand, they're not very interesting. So weed is legal and Kratom is legal now. Uh, yeah. Yes. 
not so interesting uh, for me. So, uh, no, I've never tried it. Uh, it looks uh, interesting, but I don't have an opinion on it. And I, I don't know as an alternative for alcohol. Um, I drink alcohol every two to three months, maybe one or two glasses of very, very expensive whiskey with a very, very expensive cigar. So I don't go ham, right? Because I spend too much money on those three I had two drinks and one cigar already, and then I feel a little bit guilty for spending so much money, so I don't, uh, you know, ruin my health any further. And then whatever else else I do, um, well, that's only in Holland, obviously, because there everything is allowed. Besides uh, having a good time, that's why you need escapism in the form of recreational drugs. Ugh. Hey, Steve, uh, Kurt Batman, <laughs> nice. Uh, what are your thoughts on Primo versus Mastron versus EQ in conjunction with tests on a slow but steady lean bulk? Uh, well, watch that EQ video versus your kidneys. Some compelling evidence that EQ is kind of kidney toxic, but it's also because, um, you know, there's some negative effects on your estradiol, which is then kidney protective, uh, which I mentioned at the end of that video. And if you start researching um, estradiol in relation to kidney health, then it kind of starts to make sense. Now, you get this same inhibiting effect on uh, estrogen metabolism when it comes to Mastron or Primo, but both of those have not been really researched in the context of uh, kidney health. Um, all of these will potentiate similar gains, albeit that I would say that Primo is number one, then Boldenone, then Mastron, uh, purely based on a, per a personal preference. But some people respond very well to Mastron. Some people respond very well to EQ. Some people can't get real Anivar, and so they poo-poo on it. So it depends on what's available to you, what you can afford, and what you can respond to and how you interpret the scientific evidence and if you're willing to overlook some of the potential negative effects that it could have on kidney function health or other uh, properties like hair loss, for example. And then, uh, uh, yeah, make your decision and just stick with it for 12 weeks, 16 weeks, and then maybe replace it for uh, another compound that is your second choice for another 12 to 16 weeks on your slow and steady lean bulk. And then see which one gave you the best results, right? If you go milligram for milligram. But in, in most cases, you need to make an increment every six to eight weeks to kind of keep this progression going. So you might start on 200 tests and 200 primo, but you might end up in 500 tests and 500 primo after half a year of being on cycle, right? We're doing a slow and steady bulk. So hopefully you manage your blood work at the same time. Oh, not this one. Sorry. This one is what I want. Uh, is there any point in taking two grams of testosterone without growth hormone? Big thanks from the previous answer, Steve. I really appreci your, appreciate your effort and knowledge. My pleasure, buddy. I wish somebody like me was around back when I got started with PEDs, but that's why we're here sitting uh, giving back. All right. Any point in taking two grams of testosterone with gro without growth hormone? Uh, no. There's uh, Or yes, uh, it would still work, obviously, but it would work better with growth hormone, even if it's just two units. Um, it might be better just to take two grams of tests, uh, yeah, well, at least with aromacin, <laughs> to have some estrogen management in place, or maybe a gram of test and a gram of primo, or a gram of test and a gram of ma uh, mastron, or a gram of test and a gram of boldenone, right? Again, based on your personal research and, um, you know, risk uh, assessment and tolerance, um, the two grams of steroids will work if you structure them correctly, but with growth hormone, it would be better. And I'm willing to go as far as this. If you can go to 500 tests or 1,000 milligrams of test with the growth hormone, you probably get the same result as 2,000 milligrams of test, right? So if you're going on a gram of test with four IUs, six IUs of growth hormone, you probably get the same results as two, gro uh, gro two grams 
not two growth, two grams of test just by itself, right? We get synergy between these compounds. That's why I like to combine various bioidentical hormones with each other. That's the test, the GH, the insulin, the IGF-1, and, um, you know, maybe some melatonin, which is also bioidentical, just to have a good sense of sleep and then uh, reduce all of the um, uh, oxidant effects that uh, some of these steroids could have on your brain, right? So melatonin also is a bioidentical hormone for your HRT protocol. But yeah, I know plenty of people run two grams of steroids uh, without growth hormone. They get good results, but they get better results as soon as they add the growth hormone in. And the results are so good that it can usually lower the steroid dosages to the point that their blood work is now a lot better. Albeit that they're a little bit more watery and a little bit more sleepy. Because that's the effect of growth hormone, right? Uh, Musibi Monster. Steve, currently on four, I use growth hormone split AM and pre-beds. Planning to start Umalog on a high-carb day, so would you adjust the growth hormone dose to time with insulin dose and keep it the same? Uh, just keep it the same for now, or maybe the first two or three weeks you keep it the same. Then you do your uh, insulin, uh, start Umalog on a high-carb day. So are you doing the Umalog with meals, just one meal, post-workout, pre-workout, right? You know, that kind of matters. So if you're doing uh, just Umalog on high-carb days, uh, I would do the growth hormone on that day pre-workout so you stay insulin sensitive and hopefully you do your uh, AM administration right uh, before fasted cardio so you have, uh, you know, you mitigate some of these uh, free form fatty acids that are liberated from the growth hormone administration which can inhibit insulin sensitivity which of course needs to be at an all-time high when you do a high carb day so two i use in the morning you do your 20 minutes 30 minutes of fasted cardio you start eating humalog with each meal if that's what you're doing and then uh, pre-workout you take your growth hormone because now you have activity again you can mitigate some of these uh, free from fatty acids through activity and then by the time you have your post-workout meal you can continue with the same humalog protocols with the uh, following meals following your workout Right, and then on the other day, she take it in the morning and before bed. Go by your fasting, uh, go by your blood glucose levels in between meals, I would say. Let's see. Let's take some water because I'm dehydrating here. Mm. DKK. What currency is that? DKK. Danish Krone. Guys didn't switch to Euro? Good, smart move. <laughs> All right. Hey, Steve, thank you for doing this. For a short eight-week cycle of testosterone, 600 milligrams per week, for Primo, 400 milligrams per week, and Anivar, um, 10 milligrams, 20 milligrams per day. Would you use Anivar at the beginning uh, and or throughout? If it's only eight weeks, I would just use it throughout. You're already going on a gram of gear, so why not add the anivar from the start, you need uh, your lipid protection in place, your liver protection in place, your kidney protection in place, your blood pressure management in place, because again, it's a cycle over a gram, and even though test primo and anivar are reasonably benign, at these dosages, you will get some side effects. Um, I would run it all the way through, right? If you were to go on anadrol, I would only do it the last four weeks, or halotestin, which I don't think is really necessary for a cycle like this, uh, last two weeks, right? Or superdrol the last two weeks. But anivar... You know, minimal effect on liver health um, will potentiate a little bit of an increase in liver enzymes, of course, but not to the extent that some of the other orals do. I think that Anivar is quite sustainable, certainly the most sustainable oral that you can take for the effects that you get. Um, Turinabol might be slightly less uh, negative effect on uh, lipids 
and your liver health, but you need to take more of it to get a similar effect, right? So let's say you take 25 milligrams of Anivar versus 40, 50 milligrams of Turinabol to get similar contractile capacity, muscle protein synthesis, overall results, overall strength, right? And you can go into the scientific literature and say that all steroids potentiate the same amount of protein synthesis, but in practical application, uh, not even close. Right? And we have to go with experience, not the scientific evidence, because it's not performed on bodybuilders whatsoever. Exactly. Steve. All right, what's next? Uh, is one IU, or what, Rana G, Science and Tech, is one IU of growth hormone pharma grades worth it than no growth hormone? Yes, yes, of course. One IU of growth hormone, if you take it around the workout, 100% beneficial. Uh, would two IUs, four IUs be better? Of course. But, you know, let's say you do TRT, you do one IU of growth hormone, five IUs of Lantus, and uh, 20 micrograms of clen, you're going to get better results than just your TRT. Even if it's a low dose, you're still going to get better results because you're adding more pharmacy, pharmacology into the mix. And uh, more pharmacology, more synergy <laughs> usually means a better result. So that's the way it goes. I have an overweight friend, 186 centimeters, 103 kilos, trying to get uh, lose some love handles. That's not overweight. <laughs> Unless he has no muscle. <laughs> right? he have, if he has no muscle, he's kind of chunky. But, dude, I'm like 103 kilos at 175, 178 centimeters, depending on how I measure myself. Um, and I don't consider myself overweight. Right? It's just I'm white, bro. All right, so he's trying to love his uh, uh, low, lower his love handles. Uh, low intensity, in, low intensity, steady state worked great for me. He's 193 at 96 kilograms. You're underweight. You need to eat more. Uh, but isn't working for him. Eight weeks. Should he cut calories even more? What could cause this? Uh, just a metabolic difference and activity level. So get him a standing desk and send him to the gym. And uh, throw some revulsine in the picture for a preferential fat loss off the lower back. And then I think uh, his fat loss will uh, start to uh, pick back up. You know, maybe his activity levels are just shit. And even though he's doing a little bit of uh, low intensity, steady state cardio in the morning, it's not enough to really make a difference on what he's eating. And, you know, if your friend's overweight and he says he's on a diet, but in reality he's kind of eating the fridge at night, you know, and he's lying about it, he's withholding that information, then shame on him. He's never going to get results. Yeah, you still got to have to suffer and uh, make some uh, adjustments to your lifestyle. You don't get this fat loss for free, bro. Yeah, he doesn't get he doesn't have a lot of muscle. Yeah, okay, so get him to the gym. Bring him to the gym. Uh, put him to work. You know, I mean, 186 centimeters, that's a pussy pulling height. So all you need to do is put a little bit of muscle on that. And then once he has the muscle, you go to Zara or H&M, you buy some nice clothes. And then you throw him in the, you know, in the, in the deep end, make him uh, talk to girls. And then once he starts getting some pussy and his abs start to show and he starts getting motivated, then the wrist will take kind of care of himself because now he's got the confidence. Now he's got the body and the more confidence and the more body he gets, the more pussy he can pull. And pussy is a very powerful motivator, <laughs> or at least I've been told. Uh, I've, I've never seen pussy in my life, unfortunately. Oh, so sad. I've been in the gym my entire life. Uh, arms bra. Yeah, same for arms bra in the, in the gym his entire life. Hey, Steve. 
<laughs> arm emoji. Do you think that DHB lowers estradiol like Primo and Masterin does, given that it's not technically a DHT? Yeah, from what I've seen on blood work, DHB also seems to lower um, serum estradiol levels quite a bit. But I haven't really seen that much blood work on DHB because the kind of people that take mint in DHB, they usually don't end up with me anymore because I've kind of priced myself out of that market. Uh, I go with the very uh, wealthy entrepreneurs that contact me and they usually stick with Test Primo, Anavar, Growth Hormone, IGF-1 because they can afford it. And they know that DHB and mint and that kind of stuff is not enough literature to kind of make a good decision with. So um, I rarely see blood work on DHB or mint. And uh, from the DHB blood work that I've seen, it seems that estradiol levels seem to be uh, quite managed. But most people don't run DHB that high. They run maybe, you know, 150, 200 milligrams, 300 milligrams per week. And if you're on a gram of test, then that's usually not enough to bring your estradiol levels down substantially. And most guys just run their DHB alongside their test and primo, just as a little bit of extra, you know, so they can feel naughty about themselves. I'm on test primo and DHB, bitch. All right, so they feel better than the next bodybuilders because they can deal with the post-injection pain. Uh, yeah, so, I don't know, go with blood work and see how it turns out. Because everybody responds different. Hopefully you don't get a terrible post-injection pain of your DHB. Uproar TV, is there anything to look out for in a clinic when planning a gynosurgery? Methods, reviews, etc. So just ask the doctor for before and after pictures. And then um, sometimes they they give people a discount, right, on the gynosurgery. You have that here in Thailand as well. So they, they'll take your pictures before and after. They post you publicly. And then uh, also uh, those uh, people are, are allowed to be contacted, right, for referrals. So you just contact them and then see, uh, you know, how their experience was six months down the line, one year down the line. Or contact one of your best friends, right, who's also done a gynosurgery to get a referral from him. And then just, uh, you know, bring him to the gay bar, take, make him take his shirt off. And in that very small moment that he starts uh, getting pummeled by all the gay guys, have a quick look at his nipples and then leave him there um, so you can go to the gynecomastia surgery. <laughs> Yeah, or maybe the strip club. Maybe the strip club would be better. Usually you get kicked out of the strip club when you start taking your shirt off. Uh, but the gay bar, that seems to be quite okay. So take him there, right? pull a little pr fast on him, <laughs> fast prank on him, and then quickly look at his nips uh, to see if everything was good. And again, if he, if the gynosurgery wasn't that good, then probably all the gay guys would stay away because, uh, you know, from what I've been told, they, uh, I don't think they really like uh, puffy nips either, right? Or maybe there's a fetish for that as well. I, I don't know. I don't partake. Uh, yeah, bad jokes, I know. All right, so uh, look for the reviews. The methods are reasonably straightforward. It's just an incision, right? And depending on the severity of the gyno that you have, they might need to do a little bit of liposuction around the nipple. This is something that I wanted to do, but I don't know. After talking to a couple surgeons here, I, uh, I didn't really feel uh, confident that uh, things were going to go right. So uh, I'm going to postpone it. <laughs> probably indefinitely and honestly by the time i got lean my gano wasn't really that bad now that i restored a little bit of lower chest fat it's worse uh, but who cares um you know by the time i get lean it probably looks better again let's see rana science and tech uh pre-bed or pre-workout one iu growth hormone on a contest prep i would do pre-workout so you get a little bit of fat loss out of it and igf1 increase which will help with recovery right uh, but if you're on contest prep, you're probably better off taking four to yeah, four, six IUs of growth hormone. So you can get a little bit more bang for your buck and fat loss out of it and fullness. Let's see. Andre, Steve, recommendations on max sugar intake and saturated fat on the bulk. 
minimal sugar, minimal saturated fat. So, of course, saturated fat is found in most animal meat sources. So if you're going to go with steak, oh, you guys still here? Uh, did my internet drop out? All right, it's back. Okay. So if you're going to go with steak and uh, salmon and uh, whole eggs and chicken, right, or turkey or bison, etc., it will all contain a little bit of saturated fat. But based on the diets that I write, even if you eat 5,000 calories per day, the maximum intake of saturated fat is like 15, maybe 20 grams per day. There's no way around it. Right? But that's the minimal that you're going to get from the healthy uh, dietary bro, bro foods that are going to put slabs of muscle on you um, without any way to circumvent it. And uh, the sugar intake, you can just minimize. I, I don't really think you need fast-acting sugars besides intra-workout and only if you're really, really big to the point you go hypoglycemic or you feel that your workouts are so long that you need a little bit of glucose into your workout or using insulin and you try train like an animal that you need the glucose to sustain your blood glucose levels because you're shuttling all of these amino acids and other stuff into your workout. So uh, max sugar intake, I would just do 30 grams into your workout. That's it. And saturated fat, whatever you get from your animal meat best sources, but nothing extra. So don't, don't do peanut butter. I know it doesn't have saturated fat, but just don't do it. Like, I need peanut butter at the end of the day. No, you don't. You just need to eat better. Eat a, eat a half an avocado. Fucking pussy. Daniel, $2. Any questions with these $2? Yes. Steve, any reason why my libido is only good with higher estrogen, where uh, I have high estrogen side effects like acne? Uh, maybe because your testosterone levels are so high that your uh, estrogen needs to be at high to have a favorable sex hormone balance for favorable libido. But it also means that, of course, this higher estrogen can give you acne. So keep your estrogen there, right? Uh, you know, uh, the libido is, of course, uh, one of the primary drivers of your masculinity. Uh, and, and with horrible libido, you don't feel as masculine because one of your organs is non-functional or less than favorable functioning. Uh, yeah, so the acne you can address by taking out the dairy products, including whey protein, right? Switch to collagen protein, which I mentioned over and over again, to the point Derek actually started adding the collagen protein to a supplement line because it kept hammering on it, uh, right? So go with the collagen protein of a gorilla mind, not the whey protein that might uh, give you pimples. Uh, <laughs> oh, we're going to address this. Um, let's see. So... Uh, high estrogen, uh, what else? If you, you know, the hygiene is very important, um, right? And otherwise you need to take a lot of those doxycycline to mitigate that. I have a ton of acne videos on my YouTube channel. Have a look at them and then start managing this acne appropriately. Um, because if your estrogen is high and your libido is good, then you just have to find another way to control your acne, right? And acne is usually multifactorial. All right, let's address this one, the elephant in the room. Are you a student of Mr. Victor Black? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. He did buy my uh, my growth hormone ebook, and then six months later, after purchasing it through his uh, container home uh, failed business, 
he has started, uh, you know, posting some content of my growth hormone ebook online and start saying that it's all wrong and uh, horrible advice. Uh, so, you know, first off, uh, clearly no respect for copyrighted content. Uh, and then, then he starts complaining that everybody is uh, uh, ripping off his content online, which I never signed up to his <laughs> membership site. And I don't think anybody ever did because when you look at his real followers on Instagram, you realize that he only has 500 real followers and the other 39,500 or 40,000 are bot followers. And his uh, traffic to his websites are not too high. So I don't know what this guy's on about. Uh, he seems to have a hard on for everybody else, but you know, I'm, I've yet to met, meet anybody in real life that actually respects him. So uh, uh, Victor Black is just uh, full of it, full of himself mostly. And I'm certainly not a student. <laughs> I'm certainly not. Now, I've been doing everything the opposite way of, of what Victor Black does and look at where I am now. I would recommend everybody to do the same. Just do the opposite, right? You'll feel a lot better about yourself and you don't have to be so full of yourself. <laughs> man unredeemable yeah one of those unredeemable villains that always gets the short straw let's boogie one dollar donation no questions all right let's see next one adrian i'm so confused is collagen protein a whole protein like whey can i use oh oh reset can i use collagen protein instead of whey yes you can Yes, you can. Of course, it has a different amino acid profile. It does miss one of the uh, amino acids. Um, which one was it? There's one or two amino acids that are not found in collagen protein. Uh, I don't think it was an essential amino acid, certainly not a branch chain amino acid, but it's very high in uh, glycine, obviously, which is the main driver of collagen synthesis. So feel free to combine collagen protein with whey protein as a flavoring agent, because most whey protein out here is uh, flavored. You have uh, chocolate flavor, banana flavor, vanilla flavor, cookies and cream, caramel, strawberry, and the list goes on. And with collagen, it's a little bit harder to flavor, so we don't have so many flavors to pick from. I usually take whatever, you know, Derek has of uh, the Gorilla Mind, and then add in a couple scoops of uh, sports research collagen, because I take my collagen around the workout and I don't like it to be too sweet. Um, so take maybe one scoop of his and then one or two scoops of the sports research to kind of dilute the flavor and that way uh, it tastes nice and neutral. Um, so yeah, I would say that it's a whole protein, but it, you're missing out on one or two amino acids, but I can't remember off the top of my head which, uh, yeah, those were. But feel free to combine them and keep in mind, if you, um, you know, have a, a diet varied in all kinds of animal meat sources, so that's the eggs and the chicken and the, the beef and the turkey and the salmon and maybe some tilapia or other white fish, then you get all the amino acids anyway. Yeah, don't worry about it. All right, big bucks. Donald's, the only dose of, the only dose of TRT, 220 milligrams per week, that gives me sexual benefits. Lower uh, is a noodle dick, okay. Also gives me intermittent tension, headaches, and neck pain. Hematocrit is fine. Blood pressure is lower than threshold. What gives? Um, hmm. Interesting. So 
your dopamine system is now completely reliant on this uh, elevated dose of testosterone, you might be able to get a similar response by lowering the testosterone but supplementing with L-tyrosine multiple times per day, 500 milligrams once, twice, three times if necessary with vitamin B6, P5P to uh, bring your dopamine levels up. And that way you can kind of offset it because usually the higher your testosterone levels are, the higher your dopamine levels are and vice versa. So if you bring your testosterone levels down and you increase your dopamine levels with, um, you know, supplemental means, then your libido might be a little bit better. Now, if your TRT goes down, but your estradiol stays um, the same or goes higher or goes lower disproportionately, this is something you need to manage with blood work, right? You do your before, during and after blood work and make the appropriate adjustments. Um, and it could be that, you know, this amount of TRT is required for DHT, which helps with, uh, let's say, rigidity of the, the third member uh, between your legs. Um, so maybe you need a certain amount of DHT to be present from this dose of uh, TRT for you to have, uh, you know, solid erections. So that could be another pathway that you might need to look into. So check your testosterone levels, check your estrogen levels, check your DHT levels. And then regarding the, the headaches, um, you know, if your TRT is, again, a synthetic carrier oil, you might be in a high inflammatory state and it gives you a headache. If your blood pressure is lower, um, it could be that, you know, tension headaches are due to a, a magnesium deficiency, which I discussed a little bit earlier in this video. So maybe start looking into your magnesium intake or your potassium intake, uh, which also help with, you know, the relaxation and the control of blood vessels. So maybe your blood pressure is lower, uh, you know, in, in most of the torso where you um, measure that, but in the head it could be higher, right? Because the vascularity is all different. And of course, um, you know, the, the vascularity is outside of your brain in a different kind of uh, blood vessels. So look into magnesium intake and uh, what else? Maybe vitamin E fish oil to kind of dilute the blood and make sure that it transports through your arteries correctly. And then give these adjustments a try and see if that fixes it. And otherwise, uh, switch the TRT for, uh, from underground lab to uh, pharmaceutical grade so the, the inflammation which is potentially there goes away and otherwise lower the dose and kind of compensate for the, you know, the DHT reduction or the dopamine reduction with um, yeah, Andractim cream or L-tyrosine uh, for increased dopamine levels. I hope that it gives you some insight on where to look next. Let's see. Oh, here. Paid for a super chat, rate my physique, and tag my Instagram handle, but the super chat didn't show. But payment went through. Did I fuck up? Uh, no, I didn't see your payment, buddy. And all payments I would normally see. So if your super chat didn't show up, then usually YouTube kind of refunds you. Um, so, yeah, I don't know. But I uh, rate my physiques is probably not a good idea because I'd have to share it here. And, uh, yeah, it's uh, too time-consuming. So just wait for your payment to come back, and then uh, we'll go to the next question. JP. Ah, here, another one. JP. Uh, hey, Steve, running 350 milligrams testosterone, annotated 200 milligrams Primo. Primo maybe uh, test testosterone. Okay, free test was at 522 nanomoles per liter. Test 160. Guys, I don't know the ranges of these nanomoles per liter, so please include that. Otherwise, I'm just, just giving me numbers. <laughs> and I don't remember all of these ranges off the top of my head. Please. Free androgen at 1.8. Okay, whatever. Oster dial, that's fucking high. Uh, no side effects. Is this a problem? 
Uh, well, if the estrogen is this high, then I would say that your primo is fake. Yeah, the estradiol, I do remember, but the testosterone, 160. I think that what it goes up to 35, right? So it's like what four times out of the reference range. Um, estradiol is about 100 uh, points out of the reference range. So yeah, I would say that uh, your primo is not legit. So source pharmaceutical, right? Like I always recommend. And then, uh, you know, make the appropriate adjustments or, or just add in a little bit of aromacin to get your estradiol down. So that is something I would do. Um, and in the meantime, you, uh, yeah, source some proper Primo or switch to Mastron, which is commonly not faked because Mastron is actually a lot cheaper. All right. Upper TV, Steve, my creatinine in the urine is 3.6 nanomoles per liter and the reference range is 3.4 to 22.9 nanos per liter. Do I have to worry about the low creatinine? You have to do a 24-hour urine collection test because depending on hydration levels and activity levels um, and, and the time of day that you measure your, your urine creatinine levels, it might be all over the place. So you're at the bottom of the reference range but still in range. Measure your serum creatinine to your urine creatinine over 24-hour urine period. Uh, <laughs> hour not your period 24 hour uh period and then see what your glomerular filtration rate is and then you can worry or not you probably don't have to worry but you have to go through the ringer to get that uh, tested properly All right so a single measurement is usually not a good indication of what's going on uh let's see oh here's a few more Guys, if you start spamming the same questions, I put you in timeout. It's that simple. Plus, I have a fuckload of super chance to answer, so <laughs> it does take preference. Priority. All right, have you ever tried generic black tops? Is pharma growth hormone that much better than generic for non-competitive bodybuilders? Yes. No, I never tried black tops. I've tried... <laughs> I can't even remember, dude. <laughs> Whatever tops. <laughs> Carrot tops, that's what I've tried uh you know some of the some of the generics are actually quite good but the only way of knowing that is just buying some and then doing an iv test or an intramuscular test and seeing how high your serum growth hormone levels get and how much water retention and negative side effects you get because not every growth hormone is created equally some of them potentiate more water retention than others or they might contain some impurities uh, causing a little bit of an allergic response at the injection site so with generics you always run a risk versus running uh, pharmaceutical grades but i get it pharmaceutical grade is highly expensive and uh, still you know whether you compete or not you only have one body so just respect it put up the money and if you don't have the money then just don't do a cycle you know that's would be my advice uh, but of course there's plenty of people out there who would just like to take uh, steroids anyway and, and growth hormone anyway but they can't afford so much of it so you should go with black tops. You do two IUs intravenously five minutes before you draw a blood for a serum analysis for your growth hormone levels. It should be over 80 nanograms per uh, nanograms per milliliter. So that's way over the reference range on a two uh, IU uh, IV test. And if you're not willing to do IV, 10 IUs intramuscularly two, uh, uh, two hours before you do the growth hormone test. And then you should be around 28 to 33 nanograms per milliliter, right? So that's three times out of the reference range. Uh, so it's three times out of the reference range on a f um, 10 IU shot or, uh, well, close to 100 times out of the reference range. Um, uh, or 10 times out of the reference range, sorry. 10 times out of the reference range on a 2 IU intervening shot. 
But who would want to do anything generic IV, right? Paso Paseto Coaching. What's up, buddy? Running Steve's complete dream cycling in October. Oh, my God. Everything arrived today. I'm jealous, dude. I wish I could do this dream cycle again. I'm worried about uh, Jardion's Genuvia and insulin being too much for my blood glucose levels. Okay, so add in the insulin first. Uh, keep your glucose log, right? So you check your blood glucose before fasted cardio or uh yeah when you wake up before fasted cardio then you do it before meal one so it's basically after fasted cardio before meal two three four five and six if you have that many meals pre-workout post-workout and before going to bed do that for a week before you add in the jardions if you add in the jardions uh, don't do jardions and genova you only need one of them right you only need one d-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor just one not two so you add in you, you whatever you can get Put one in, right? Depending on which one makes the most sense to you based on the half-life and the insulins that you're taking. So if you have a long-acting insulin, you could take a long-acting Jardians. And if you have a short-acting insulin, you take a short-acting, sorry, <laughs> long-acting D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor. And if you have a, a short-acting insulin, you take a short-acting DPPI. But if you have a long-acting IGF-1 LR3, then you take the long-acting DPPA uh, D-peptidyl peptidase 4 inhibitor, right? So it really depends on your full protocol. If you do IGF-1, LR3, and Lantus together, then you also need a long-actor DP4I. Uh, so I can't remember if that's Jardians or Genuvia, or they're both middle, long, or lasting. Um, either way, check your blood glucose level, see how that affects it before you add in the you know, the DPP4I, and then afterwards, you might have to lower your insulin dose because your insulin is now um, not broken down as fast. So the active life and the onset peak duration has changed, but your IGF-1 levels also stay more elevated because this prevents the breakdown as well. So you probably have to lower your um, insulin dose because the whole point of taking these compounds, the Jardions and Genuvia is to, oh wait, is Jardions um, and Paglifloxin? Man. Am I being dumb now? Yeah, that's empagliflozin. No, don't take the don't take it together, all at the same time. You'll 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 go fucking hypo, dude. Do the insulin first, then add in the IGF one. Then maybe add in the DPPA, uh, DPPI, the Genuvia, and then the Jardians. You probably don't need. I, I think it's a useless medication, honestly. You know, if you're if you're already on Telmasartan, then um, you know, the water retention that you might get from a high-dose growth hormone and insulin is already mediated quite sufficiently. You don't need Jardians on top of that to mitigate or to dump some of the glucose because, you know, and, and some of the, the, the sodium because you're just peeing out all the food that you're eating. So uh, skip the Jardians. Yeah. If you want to take it, take, in, take it when you go out to a hotel buffet and you're eating way too much candy so you can pee some of that out in, in combination with metformin. Sorry for messing that up. Um, because uh, sometimes I kind of forget what all these medication names are. All right, where are we? Daniel Paz, another separate super chat and comment. Please combine those people, please. Steve, uh, I ran 250 to 300 milligrams testosterone cypionate for one year exactly next week. 150 milligrams Primo, whenever I felt uh, like my estradiol is too high. Okay, um, okay, it works. And HCG the whole cycle. Gained 78 pounds of lean mass. I'd say PCT now or keep going if bloods are okay. Uh, depends on your goal. 
right? Because why don't you do a fertility test and see if the ACG is keeping your testicles active? So you jerk off in a cup. It's very fun. Uh, sometimes the nurse will uh, try to uh, get into the room. No, no, it doesn't happen, right? Everybody fantasizes about that. Never happens. Uh, <laughs> you know, they're professionals, guys. They'll leave the room and then you have to take care of it yourself. Check your fertility levels. And then, uh, you know, if your fertility is still good, you can continue. And if you're worried about fertility, uh, maybe come off for a while, uh, freeze that, and then go back on cycle. But, you know, if you can, if you look at my fertility levels, even after doing uh, a couple of experiments wrong and doing some high tails uh, steroid cycles um, and impairing my spermatogenesis uh, quite tremendously, my fertility came back quite favorably, right? And, uh, but wait until my wife is pregnant before I can put the seal to that protocol. Um, so again, if your blood work is good, then look at your semen parameters. And if those are good, just continue because it's a pretty modest cycle. And even if you do 150 tests and 150 primo for the entire year, I don't think that that's entirely bad. Again, if you're managing your bloods and you're taking all the health supplements and you're, you know, doing the daily fasted cardio and blah, 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 eating healthy, right? So you put minimal stress on your uh, body besides the um, test and primo that you're taking, then I, I think it's reasonably benign and you just keep going. Patrick, I'm using black tops now in conjunction with Serostim. I find generic stronger for some reason. Serostim is 100% legit, by the way. All right, take the Serostim out. See if you still get the same effects for a month and uh, then compensate by increasing your generics for the same amount of units that you were taking on the serostim. It could be that the serostim is simply enhancing the effects of the black tops and stronger is a little bit difficult to pinpoint because again, most people go by water retention. Um, but you know, we'll take your word for it. I would still go with the serostim, baby. Yeah, just so you can brag about it. Donald Scars, if intracranial hypertension is in fact the basis for my headaches, neck tension pain on high dose TRT. Is that something people typically spontaneously recover from? Yes, magnesium does help. Cialis. Um, well, you just said that your blood pressure was low, right? So I wouldn't take Cialis because that's a blood pressure uh, or, you know, reduces your blood pressure just like Telmasartan or Nabivalol does. So I would, I would look into your inflam inflammatory markers uh, from your TRT and see if that the underlying cause of your tension headaches isn't chronic and systemic inflammation, which is also very likely besides a magnesium deficiency. Um, and otherwise, uh, you know, discuss it with your doctor because it's not a very common side effect of people taking testosterone replacement therapy. And I can't diagnose you over the internet. I keep that in mind. I'm not a doctor, guys. I'm just some guys that, uh, you know, uh, talks from his own experience and using the scientific literature to give advice on how to use these steroids uh, correctly. But if you suffer from something that's not very common on TRT, then honestly, I would recommend you just to discuss that with a doctor because maybe uh, there's an early onset for an aneurysm. Right? Just throwing it out there. But again, I'm not a doctor. So please uh, discuss it with a medical professional. You're probably better off than, uh, you know, throwing money at a guy on YouTube trying to help you when there might be something serious underlying. And most people that I know, they don't have intracranial t tension headaches um, from TRT. All right, what is this? Abivouf. Abivouf. 
My wife, 24, used testosterone propionate for libido and general wellness. Three milligrams every other day was going well, but she experienced some virilization of the voice. So we pulled it. It stopped. Would it be better to go with Anivar? No, just look into 20, 25 milligrams DHEA. But she's still quite young. Um, so, you know, whatever virilization you already gave her is now there forever. Yeah. You know, you can't take it back. Um, so I, I would just proceed with caution, dude, because, you know, okay, our libido is great, but you're slowly turning the, your beautiful wife into a dude. And that's something you can't take back. <laughs> so uh, why don't you improve her libido just by giving her love and attention and becoming financially secure and, uh, and, and just feeding her well? And then if DHEA 25 milligrams is required after that, then I think that's reasonably benign. But at her age, her hormone panel should look pretty good and her libido should not be bad. Uh, unless there's some underlying condition with poor nutrition, poor health, or your uh, relationship is uh, not as good as you think it is, right? From what I've noticed is uh, whispering into your girlfriend's or wife's ear um, how much money you're making uh, every month and that you're on a financial trajectory that you're doing better financially every month. That seems to work quite well for libido, but maybe that's just my wife. Um, you know, she always very pleasantly surprised when uh, uh, we're doing well financially. <laughs> Jedi Steve. Steve, in regards to the physical uh, performance effects of Thomasartan and Ambivalent, what are some of the positives and negatives that you see in yourself and your clients with each of these compounds? Uh, I would say that Nabivalol is a performance-enhancing uh, benefit, which I mentioned in the Nabivalol video that I made a couple of years ago, because it lowers your heart rate in between strenuous sets. Now, that works for me, but Chase Irons, for example, he said that he couldn't get his heart rate high enough, and then he felt that he uh, wasn't able to, you know, really push as hard as you normally would. So, individual response really contributes here. And when it comes to Thomasartan, I would not say that there's any physical performance benefits. Of course, it keeps your blood pressure in range and thus your heart can contract easier because your blood pressure is not the negative feedback on or the um, rate limiting factor of how hard your heart can contract because the blood vessels are fully dilated and thus you prevent left ventricular hypertrophy or heart enlargement in general and apparently scientific evidence is there that higher doses of thomasartan can uh, revert left ventricular hypertrophy i'm not really sure if that's performs on athletes who keep training strenuously, right? Keep putting that pressure on the heart. Um, so again, you know, evidence is always a little bit wishy-washy and depends on who interprets that for you, whether it's the most magical compound known to man uh, based on uh, rodent studies or somebody with a sober mind looks at that and says, okay, this is interesting, but it might be beneficial for what we're doing here for bodybuilding because we're not general population and we're not rodents. Right? So you have to extrapolate the data smartly not if everybody's capable to do that unfortunately so again be careful who you listen to out there um so i would say that the the performance benefits of thomasartan are minimal over nabivalol and individual response determines if your nabivalol will give you a positive effect by reducing the time that you have between strenuous working sets because your heart rate comes down faster and thus you can put in a, another strenuous set uh, earlier than normal and thus create um improve your hypertrophy response that you get throughout the workout. Um, but then again, you know, uh, Nabivalol can also lower your uh, metabolic rate by keeping your heart rate down the entire way 
throughout the day. Also good for uh, heart remodeling, right? Or prevent negative heart remodeling because now your heart rate is lower and the telmisartan uh, allows your heart to contract easier because there's no, um, you know, the arteries are kind of relaxed. So you don't have this backing up of high blood pressure at any point in time, whether that's addressed or during strenuous workouts. So I like to combine both of them. And guess what? I still got heart enlargement <laughs> throughout the cycle, <laughs> you know? So I took 40 milligrams Tomasartan and five milligrams Nibivalol, and I have my baseline echo, uh, echo of my heart. Before I went on cycle, normal heart, I go on cycle, my heart is enlarged, and uh, just the same as my heart was enlarged before I added in the Nibivalol or Tomasartan, and I would just use Cialis. Uh, but maybe there's some muscle memory there, right? So uh, that's why I always laugh at some of these statements that people make because um, I can't even afford to go into the hospital to get a fucking echo done and publish that publicly. Yeah. Who has the balls to do that besides me? Peasants. Yeah. Oh, the scientific evidence says this. Go do a fucking ultrasound. Bad heartburn from Cialis, help. <laughs> help! <laughs> what meme is that again? Some kid. I forgot which one it was. Um, <laughs> Alright, so bad heartburn from Cialis. Yeah, so you can get that from oral steroids or Cialis. The key here is apple cider vinegar tablets from now, the double strength, the 750 milligrams apple cider vinegar with each meal to increase the acidity of the stomach. So the esophagus, the mouth of the stomach stays closed. And now this acid doesn't go up through your, um, you know, your windpipe all the way, create, creating acid reflux and heartburn. All right. So apple cider vinegar with each meal, increase the acidity of your stomach. And now this uh, Cialis that you're taking uh, will not cause that effect anymore. And otherwise, if that's not enough, look into betaine hydrochloride. So you have apple cider vinegar and betaine hydrochloride. What was it? Um, 600 to 800 milligrams with meals to increase the acidity of your stomach as well. And then um, this issue of heartburn is completely gone. And if that doesn't fix it, take the Cialis out and switch it for Telmosartan, Velsartan, uh, Lisinopril, whatever else to control your blood pressure. Um, because, you know, that's also blood pressure medications, right? Cialis we take for blood pressure management, albeit that, um, yeah, we do want some uh, increased uh, blood pressure in the middle leg also, right? This is the benefit of Cialis. I ran Cialis for years, man, five to 10 milligrams per day. And uh, yeah, great gains. Maybe we should add it back in now that we're conceiving and all. Uh, Mega Shredder 101, does a test blast raise metabolic rate? Yes, yes it does. Makes you more insulin sensitive, raises metabolic rate. You can see this from one of the metabolites, 7 keto DHEA, which actually works on your metabolism. Um, and testosterone works on your metabolism as well. Do you see that on your TSH levels and your total and free T3 and T4? Probably not, right? Your thyroid binding globulin might be a little bit lower, just like Anivar and some of the other steroids lower your thyroid binding globulin and thus freeing up more T3 and T4. Um, so you might see slight alterations in your blood work parameters on your thyroid panel. But in overall sense, uh, of course, more testosterone means more metabolic rates because you have more androgens in your system. Your nutrient partitioning is increased. Your nutrient requirement is increased. Your insulin sensitivity is increased. Your overall muscularity is increased. Your body temperature thus increases. And it means that your metabolic rate goes up. So um, 
what works very, very well is you start at a certain amount of muscle mass and certain diets, and you progressively keep increasing the testosterone over time, and you just get leaner and bigger and leaner and bigger and leaner and bigger, uh, as uh, Chase Irons is proving to you guys um, all the time. But he shouldn't talk about it because then otherwise everybody gets uh, the same gain train results and nobody would sign up for membership sites anymore. Ah, poor Chase. Can't get a break. Uh, Joey Z Zimba. <laughs> would you make a video or point to where you could pin your pick? Been pinning carnitine in the pick for some time now. It's lately uh, been hard to push. Don't pin it in your pick. Just do it sub Q on your butt cheeks. You twist it aside you stick the needle in with one hand and you inject subcutaneous into the um, adipose tissue around your butt why would you pin it in your chest it has no localized effect why would you create scar tissue for no reason if you want to inject something in your chest go with amino asylum stampede or super shredder or igf1 right at least it has a localized effect joey bro what are you doing and it's been hard it's it's been hard to push because you know any injectable can create some scar tissue so go go get some deep tissue massage therapy and grassland technique on your chest until it feels nice and loose and then um yeah you can uh function or have a normal functioning chest and get the striations and the detail and the full range of motion mr jason are you a monk um not really no we just got this robe and i like this robe it's Saturday evening. You gotta chill, All right? Maybe I'll uh, maybe I'll upgrade myself to a, a Playboy robe. What was it? What is this guy's call, name called? Playboy guy. Uh, Playboy robe. Shit, what was this? What was this guy's name? Hugh Hefner. <laughs> yeah. Maybe I'll get myself a Hugh Hefner robe, and then we can be a meme every time. I mean, I got the stripper set up here anyway, so might as well, right? How much are these robes? Gee, 200 bucks? Oh, 100 bucks. Oh, this one is cheaper. Okay, this one is only $20. AliExpress, of course. All right. I might put it in order soon, just because you guys asked. Roland <laughs> Kirali. All right. Uh, what do you think about cycling clean? Uh, old bro signs on the form says two weeks on, two weeks off. Is the best way to use this. Others say that it's bullshit. You don't need cycling. No, I don't think you need cycling at all. You just need to start low and slowly build your way up. So you start at 20 micrograms for like two weeks, maybe three weeks. And then when you feel the fat loss slows down a little bit, you go to 40 micrograms, two servings of 20 micrograms throughout the day. And then you slowly keep increasing it uh, over time. But, you know, you have metabolic adaptation. You have, um, you know, over carb loading. You have... Uh, inactivity throughout the day like a lot of people don't track their steps so if you do everything right your diet is super super tight and you don't over carb over the weekend and you don't over cheat meal over the weekend and you keep your steps up then you probably can just get away with 40 to maybe 60 micrograms of clean and get the job done and then other people need 120 micrograms of clean to get the jo same job done because they're inactive and not doing everything correctly so um you know, I, I think you do lose sensitivity over time, especially if you go higher dosages, and then you need to take ketotifen to kind of open up the beta-2 adrenergic receptors again, and then you need, certainly need to lower or half the dose of clenbuterol because you really notice from one day to the next, you take 120 micrograms clen, and you don't really feel your heart rate go up, and then you take one milligrams of ketotifen before bed. The next day, you take 120 micrograms, and you're on the floor wondering if you're going to die because your heart rate is that high. So please... 
drop the clan in half as soon as you put in the kettle typhon. Uh, the cycling uh, I've done, uh, but I found that staying on lower dosages and just incrementally building it up over time um, works a lot better, actually. Yeah. Hugh Hefner, that's right. Thomas, is injecting Super Shredder into your delt also more beneficial than, for example, on quads on a push day? Uh, yeah, I do feel that it has some localized effects, so you can do it in the delts, and then ideally you train delts first for some of the Super Shredder to go systemic and potentiates its effect locally. So you do half a CC here, half a CC there, or if you're a brick badass like me, you do a whole CC, or maybe half a CC Super Shredder, half a CC Stampede on both sides, you know, the best of both worlds. Crazy workouts. Um, and then you do your laterals first to kind of, you know, absorb that, make that go uh, systemic a little bit, get the vasodilation, and then start doing your front delts. Um, yeah, and then take some pictures before and after, share that on Instagram, make sure you tag me, so we can all have a good laugh, because your shoulders will look stupendously large. I remember the first time I took Stampede, I put it in my chest, right? And then I was doing chest, you know, I got this crazy pump, and then I walked away from my flies, and I looked in the mirror, I'm like, this is insane. <laughs> <laughs> this is like this is like Ronnie Coleman, Arnold Schwarzenegger chest, you know, and then my buddy at the gym is like, what the hell is going on here? So I put some pre-workouts uh, into my chest. So he immediately ordered it for himself and he had a good pump too. Uh, Aaron is going to run some of the Mass Monster blend uh, also. So have a look on his uh, Instagram and uh, see what kind of silly pumps he's going to get. Zigzag, you said DHA and pregnenolol supplements were not okay for 90s. Correct. Yes, that's correct. Any exogenous hormone that you take, especially DHEA, might shut you down. So some people experience pituitary downregulation from 25 milligrams DHEA. Some people can get away with it. It seems that women are completely resilient to 25 milligrams DHEA per day, but men, not so much. So you're taking a testosterone precursor and you're raising your testosterone levels um, with endogenous means. And if your testosterone levels go higher than your HPTA accepts and your estradiol levels the same, right? Uh, then it just shuts down LH and FSH and now you're reliant on DHEA. And 25 milligrams DHEA per day might not be sufficient for normal testosterone and estradiol levels. So you're basically shutting yourself down for nothing. Uh, just go with test DHEA and pregnenolone and growth hormone. And then you have a full HRT protocol. Finally, all of my clan cues answered. So amazing. All right. My pleasure, buddy. Hey, you get what you pay for. Even though it's one, one pound 50. Fuck, man. Can't even get a coffee for that. <laughs> don't, don't get me wrong, guys. Every, every super chat is uh, appreciated, whether that's a dollar or ten dollars. Um, yeah. But it's good to see that you got your uh, questions answered. Sancho. Uh, no question, I see. Let me scroll down a little bit. Okay, guys. Oh, here's $1 and then another dollar. Okay, <laughs> or $2. Clen versus T3 for fat loss. I would say clenbuterol. Yeah, I would say that clenbuterol is better because T3 will also potentiate some catabolism um, and it makes you flat. But clenbuterol doesn't really make you flat. It just enhances fat loss. And... Um, you know, if, if you add in the T3, you know, you need to increase your protein intake to offset the increased, uh, you know, metabolism that you get out of it. T3 is more diet dependent, you know. So you can, of course, combine both, but then your heart rate is really stimulated through thyroid receptors 
and uh, better to the energetic receptors, your heart rate will be really, really high. Could be quite uncomfortable. Uh, I would only do that if it's absolutely necessary. So I would choose clen over T3. Uh, but if you don't like clen, then you go with T3. And combining both is a kind of advanced level fat loss. And you really have to be make sure that you're on top of your diet. Let's get some water in. Fucking really dry mouth today. I don't know why. Oh yeah, I smoked a cigar. Maybe that's it. <laughs> Can't smoke a cigar in this room anymore. It smelled for like two weeks straight. So we're not doing that anymore. Colin Routen. Your thoughts on a new Dutch health clinic. Why is everybody spamming me about Dutch health clinics lately? Um, you know, guys, if, you, if you're working for the Dutch health clinic, just send me a proposal by email and, uh, you know, we'll work out a discount code. <laughs> uh, you don't have to spam me through various Instagram accounts about the Dutch health clinic. That's supposedly great. Right? I, I have no idea. Guys, if you want to work with me, if you want me to promote your clinic list like I do with Merrick Health, best health clinic on the planet, but unfortunately only available for American citizens, uh, they pay me. So if you want me to promote your health clinic in Holland, pay me too. And otherwise, GTFO. All right, where are we? Uh, what do you think about 750 milligrams testosterone, 600 deca, 400 primo, 5 IU, growth hormone, 8 IU, slim, post-workout? And 100 micrograms IGF-1 LR3 uh, at one point during the day. <laughs> Do you think using 25 milligrams Genuvia daily could be useful? Yes. Cycling four weeks on, four weeks off Genuvia and LR3. So I would just do three weeks on the IGF-1 and Genuvia. Three weeks on, first three weeks of the month. I mentioned this already, but let's just, uh, right, it's 10 euros, so we'll just do it again. Right, first 21 days of the month, you take 100 micrograms IGF-1 LR3 and 25 milligrams Genuvia per day. And then you take off, you replace that with metformin and take, yeah, you can t keep the insulin in, but it might be better just to take the insulin out as well, because of course metformin will help with insulin sensitivity, and it might just be good just to uh, kind of, you know, take a break. So you take three weeks on the peptides and Genuvia to inhibit the breakdown of the insulin in the IGF-1, seven to 10 days off, the last seven to 10 days of the month, and then you start again fresh on the first of the month, right? First of the month, Bontux and Harmony, you get paid, you get your, uh, you know, your IGF-1 protocol in place, and then you, uh, you know, let your Afro out and you're on the nice car and, you know, lowrider stuff. Yeah, great song. So, um, yeah, I would do it that way. Not four weeks on, four weeks off. Because again, you know, the IGF-1 sensitivity is lost faster with the Genuvia because you prevent the breakdown. And you can only um, stay sensitive to IGF-1 for so long, especially if you're in the off-season, which I'm assuming this is an off-season cycle. So that's something I would do. Um, and then keep doing that. Uh, at one point, uh, add in maybe a little bit of long-acting insulin, 5 to 10 IUs, um, maybe 25 units, depending on your size. But if you're a big boy based on your cycle and your IGF-1 and your growth hormone use, then I think you can get away with... 25 IUs of Lantus, but your blood glucose levels will have the final say on that. And then, uh, of course, the Genuvia, you have to be very, very careful just to make sure that your blood glucose levels don't drop too low, right? Three weeks on, seven to 10 days off, keep repeating that, do the occasional uh, mini diets, do the occasional deloads, and then report back to us in six months, and then you should be freaky deaky large. 
Cash or get the fuck out. Yes. Yeah, or Bitcoin and get the fuck out. Yeah, sometimes you just got to be rough, you know. Dude, the amount of emails that I get, you know, now that I'm close to 100,000 subscribers, it's absolutely insane. <laughs> Dude, I never realized this. Let's go on a tangent a little bit because we're reaching the end. Don't worry, we'll get to your question. Uh, Ryan Cortex Labs, our big good friend, the nootropic king. Um, don't worry, we'll get to your question. So I never realized that. At one, at one point, you get a larger platform. And then, dude, everybody wants to attach your name to you. You know, everybody wants you to have on a podcast. Everybody wants to promote their bullshit product through your um, through your YouTube page. Can you promote this product? And I'm like, send it over so I can trial it. No, we don't want to do that. <laughs> Stupid fuck. Why would I promote a product that I'm not using, right? So I put it very clear in my auto reply, $5,000 down payment. Otherwise, I'm not interested. Because that's how much time it takes for me to import the product, trial the product, research the product, and then make a video about it. $5,000 or GTFO, right? I had to, you know, I had to be this blunt. But there's so many guys in my inbox now wanting to promote their bullshit through my YouTube channel. If I don't stand behind it, then you can pay me the $5,000. I'll go through it, but I won't endorse it. Because that's how much time it takes for me to trial the product anyway on the back end. So... Uh, guess how many people were willing to do that? Zero. You know why? Because they either think that my YouTube channel will not generate enough sales for them, or they don't have that much faith in their own product. Right? Five thousand dollars or GTFO, <laughs> payable but Bitcoin only. Send me an email on vigorous.steve at gmail.com or info at vigorous.steve.com, and you'll get the exact same auto reply that these people get. Go through it. Five thousand bucks. Otherwise, I'm not interested. Right? And if I'm really interested, I'll compromise. Don't worry, because there are some products out there that I would like to promote if there's a discount code. And I would like to trial for free because I already know that I'll stand behind them. But unknown products, no, man, I'm not going to waste my time. And I'm not going to bore you guys with products that I don't stand behind. Do you guys know Screen Crush? That website, Screen Crush, man, this guy will promote everything. It's despicable. Right? I like his content, though. But Dude, in the beginning of the video, it's just fucking nonsense that he's trying to promote. Oh, my God, it makes me cringe. Man, this guy will promote everything, you know, and you're diluting your, your content and you're, you know, disrespecting your audience, thinking that they're, you know, stupid. Imagine if I start promoting random shit on the YouTube channel that I don't know. I mean, you guys would leave. I already know this. Okay, Ryan, Cortex Labs, what's up, buddy? How have you been? Uh, what me uh, mechanistically would explain better libido on every other day testosterone replacement therapy versus every day with the same dose, 180 milligrams per week? Theory is higher milligram dose released a day or higher peak DHT saturation at the uh, AR, the androgen receptors, right? Thoughts. Hope you're doing good. So basically the difference is between every other day administrations versus every day administrations is a, a variation in um, a serum concentrations right with every other day it will fluctuate a little bit and with every every day it will fluctuate less and in these fluctuations these peaks you get more or less aromatization so some people respond well to more aromatization and more conversion 5-alpha reductase activity to dihydrotestosterone um maybe they need more dihydrotestosterone for this dose of testosterone Right? Or maybe they need more estrogen for this dose of testosterone. So some people would be better on every other day administrations because their serum estradiol levels and their serum dihydrotestosterone levels 
are more favorable. And other people get so much aromatization, so much 5-alpha reductase uh, enzyme conversion that they need everyday administrations for this dose of testosterone because now their testosterone is disproportionately low and their DHT and estradiol is disproportionately high and thus their libido isn't favorable. Maybe you want this, not this, or not this, right? So it depends on your blood work. If you go intramuscular or um, subcutaneous, what the ester is, right? If it's propionate, enantate, cypionate, um so basically run this protocol four weeks every other day and then four weeks every day keep your little um, diary you know uh, dear diary today my libido was ravenous i tore five pages out of my diary because i needed to use that for uh, you know cleaning cleaning up after myself and then in the, you know the last four weeks on everyday protocol you don't write in your diary because you're clinically depressed because your libido is shit right as an example right extreme example so um, and then compare that to your blood work to see where your testosterone, free testosterone, bioavailable testosterone, estradiol, dihydrotestosterone, which is always an expensive and uh, lengthy test to get back in most parts of the world because there's not so many places that uh, can actually test for DHT. Um, yeah, and then you're going to have to make the adjustments. So I hope that was a sufficient answer, uh, Mr. Ryan. Good to see you back. All right, guys, let's uh, hold on to Super Chats because uh, I'm getting a bit tired and we have five minutes left. Uh, Tyrese XXL. Two bucks. Any questions? Oh, here it is. Hey, coach, I'm on TRT with 200 milligrams testosterone cypionate. I'm going to just post it. No more Super Chats, please, because people don't respect it. All right. So after this, no more Super Chats. So I can answer the last amount of questions and then hit the bed, hit the sack, hit the hay, etc. Uh, Tyrus XXL. Hey, coach, I'm on TRT with 200 milligrams testosterone cypionate. I'm looking to add 10 milligrams per day of ligandrol. No. And injectable anadrol. No. Do you change anything? Yes. Uh, if you already have testosterone cypionate, you can also source primobol and master on both and on whatever else. Go with that. LGD is um, SARMs are for kids. Arms are for babies and injectable anadrol 100% sure that the uh, uh, carrier oil is synthetic and you get severe systemic inflammation. Just throw it away, throw the LGD away, go with Primo and Anavar, do yourself a favor and stick with pharmaceutical stuff. Please, please. And you know, these questions need to end, but I get it. You know, you want to try something exciting, you think that LGD is the magic potion because. All these people who sell uh, SARMs uh, talking about it and raving about it, those guys are full of shit. <laughs> SARMs are inferior to steroids in every way, shape, or form if you use them for anabolism. And injectable anadrol is just highly inflammatory because of the oil. So please don't do it. All right. Mega Shredder 101. Are you a Thai citizen after five years of living there? No, man. <laughs> To immigrate, to get uh, naturalized into Thailand, you need to pay taxes for three years, and then you can either ask for residency or uh, for a passport, which you need to apply for. You need to learn the language. You need to understand the history of Thailand, and they're going to shit test you to see if you have the patience to be an actual Thai citizen, right? Because foreigners are hot-headed. They swear. They get frustrated. We get angry. We get moody. And the Thais don't really have that, right? Unless you really push them super, super far, and then they kind of lose their shits. So... Um, I know people who want to get their Thai passports and they kind of get shit tested, you know, like um, they're ready to apply. 
last minute changes, you need all these documents, right? It's just part of the process. And you just have to take it with a smile. So you uh, get all of these documents, you go there, and then, uh, you know, uh, appointment canceled. <laughs> Another way to shit test you. Right? So they really hammered down on you. And it's just all part of the process to see if you can deal with this with the utmost respect and patience before they hand you over your passport. You just have to go through the process. And they do the same thing. They shit test you if you want to get naturalized in Holland or in the United States, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. I think what well, Dennis James, it took him like 15 years before he got an American passport and Flex Lewis, it took him eight years or longer, right? And, and of course, Dennis James is originally from Germany and Flex Lewis is originally from the UK. It took them years, you know, and both of them pay taxes there. So, um, yeah, it's not easy to get a new passport in some of the countries and other countries you can just walk in, pay $25,000 and you walk out with a passport. Right? So it depends on what you want. Uh, but no, I'm a Dutch citizen with a Dutch passport. And I've been here for 15 years. And uh, yeah, I have a marriage visa. That allows me to stay. Because I'm supporting my Thai wife 100%. Sancho, uh, how much beetroot extract per day would help with blood pressure? Uh, I would say like 2 grams per day, if I remember correctly. It's been a while since I recommend beetroot. <laughs> beetroot extract. I'm going to uh, use your payment to consult Google just to confirm that I'm not uh, uh, beetroot extract. I think it was two grams, like 500 milligrams, like four times a day or three times a day. So unprofessional, right? Yeah, let's let's say 2000 milligrams. Yeah, I think that's enough. But I would rather have you use Cialis. Probably cheaper too at five milligrams per day. All right, here we are. Imran uh, Motalo. My endo put me on uh, progesterone, 25 milligrams along with uh, 50 milligrams DHA to get cortisol back in range. Insulin resistance, so it's been on metformin, 1,000 milligrams extended release, glucose in range on TRT, anything else to look for concerns. Well, that much progesterone kind of makes you sleepy and lethargic, so I wouldn't take that too long. Uh, you're already on TRT, so you don't have to worry about pituitary downregulation from this much progesterone and DHEA. Um, you know, to get your cortisol back in range, I mean, there, there's better ways to do that. Right? Removing all of the stimulants, for example, and just going through the blues and the ringer a little bit. And the insulin resistance, I mean, if you don't need that much metformin, uh, you also need to look into your diet a little bit, buddy. Right? Eat a little bit better because... Insulin resistance or diabetes or pre-diabetes, it's a lifestyle, lifestyle issues. You know, you can fix it medication, but you're just masking it. So please, just start eating better, start sleeping a little bit better, remove some of the stimulants if you're taking that to, you know, modulate your cortisol levels normally. I would keep the DHEA in there at 50 milligrams per day with the TRT and then slowly phase off the progesterone and the metformin because it's not very sustainable, right? So if you care about anabolism and, and you know, that kind of stuff. So, yeah, um, look into those ways and then uh, take it easy. All right, where are we? Oh, this already answered. Domin Bollager, what's up, buddy? Hey, Steve. All right, do you have a question? Oh, here it is. Okay, last one. <laughs> hey, Steve, we discovered that the hip bone of my girlfriend is too big for the socket of her hip bone. She has pain all day, same levels moving or not. What's uh hydro 
Lonazur injection, hyaluronic acid. Um, I have no idea. It seems like a structural issue that I'm not qualified to give advice on. So um, if her hip bone is too big for the socket, I mean, dude, I, I, I wouldn't know. <laughs> honestly, like hyaluronic acid might help. Um, yeah, I honestly don't know, dude. This is way beyond me. I'm not a doctor and I'm certainly not specialized in uh, these kinds of issues. So just discuss that with a doctor who's qualified to do it. And then I uh, run it past him. You know, some of the doctors are quite forthcoming. And of course, you know, if you're in, in Belgium or in Holland or, or some of the European countries, most of the doctors would just frown, you know, like, you know, do both sides repeatedly while you're talking about hyaluronic acid. And uh, yeah, then you might have to do it by yourself. But I wouldn't know. No, sorry. I wouldn't know. It's uh, not my uh, expertise. All right, guys, let's wrap it up. My, um, my uh, Gorilla Mode Respawn best uh new tropic on the market is starting to wear off i'm getting a little sleepy it's been a long day a lot of consultations uh still somehow <laughs> i don't know why um i thought it would come uh, kind of slow down but it didn't um so yeah long day uh oh i'll answer this one thomas will be on the anabolic podcast again anytime soon uh, if if uh, paul invites me i didn't get invited this time um uh, but hopefully next week or maybe the week after or maybe uh, in September, if I'm nice, then uh, yeah, I'd like to be on uh, anytime, man. An hour before we go live on the Vickers Q and A, I'm uh, totally down. Like I like Paul and Chase and uh, uh, Dr. Todd and Colin, and uh, am I forgetting anybody? Um, I think that's it. And it's usually the dream team. Uh, I, of course, Colton. Sorry, Colton. Colin and Colton. Sorry, Colton. <laughs> Forgot about you. And they, they just had a ten, um, what is it? Tanner Tatered on. So uh, welcome to the fitness industry, Tanner. You're doing a good job. Maybe we should have a podcast with you soon. Guys, if you want me to get Tanner Tatered on, if you know who he is, let me know down below in the comment section and we'll get to work on it. Um, we'll give him a different hat than the one he was wearing today, though, right? No uh, subliminal messages on my YouTube channel. Um, save that for Netflix. All right, guys, we're out of time. Thank you guys so much for watching. Peace out. Enjoy your weekend. I'm going to go to bed because I'm dead tired. Um, but next week, we got a lot of uh, interesting videos dropping very, very soon. I'm sure you will like it. Steve, out.